Blog Talk Radio. The stage is set for National Signing Day drama, unlike the Miami Hurricanes have seen in many, many years. So many prospects strongly considering Miami remain on the fence as we sit here tonight just 36 hours before the first signatures will go on paper for the 2015 recruiting class. It has been quite a road for Al Golden and staff trying to fight through all of the negativity that a 6-7 and seven season has brought upon the Miami program. The ups and downs have been exhausting. The decommitment's frustrating. The defections, again, of a huge number of top South Florida prospects, absolutely staggering. From receiver Calvin Ridley, rated the best in the nation, heading to Alabama, to defensive backs like Carlton Davis from Miami, Norland, headed to Auburn, to Devontae Davis, apparently headed to Texas from Booker T. Washington High School, to Tim Irvin, the nephew of the great playmaker Michael Irvin, originally committing to Texas before then settling on Auburn. Take all of this talent that has gotten away from the Canes in South Florida the past few years and get them on campus all at once in Coral Gables, and Miami would unquestionably have the best roster in the nation, another dynasty in the making. That's the dilemma for Al Golden as another mixed bag signing day approaches when a year of hard work gets its final grade. Miami has the 27th-ranked recruiting class in the country right now, pending a whole list of last-minute decisions that would affect that ranking by Wednesday. We will break it all down for you tonight and take your calls for the next three hours. This is your signing day preview edition of Kane Sport Live. Hello again, everybody. I'm Gary Furman, the publisher of Canesport.com, and we once again welcome you to the fastest three hours in Hurricane Sports. Tonight is not about therapy, like so many of our shows have been in recent months. Tonight is about anticipation, about looking forward to future generations of Miami Hurricanes. As always, this is your show, and it's going to be driven by your participation. We have more than 50 open phone lines, so there's plenty of room for everybody to call in and participate. The number is 646 595-2048. That's 646-595-2048. Again, we ask that you only tie up a phone line if you are planning on participating in the show. Obviously, we have a lot of fans who want to get on tonight. So we also ask that you also keep your questions and comments brief and to the point, and please stick to recruiting tonight. Tonight's show is about information. It's about analysis. It's not about complaining. There's no coaches getting fired during the next three hours of Kane Sport Live. As always, we've asked the fans on the message boards at canesport.com to provide some of the topics and questions to be addressed on tonight's show. Here's what they came up with. Why are the fans getting blamed for local players who are not coming to Miami? How has the failure to make changes by Al Golden set this program back in recruiting? Why is Miami struggling to keep those local kids home? I'll address that briefly right now by saying, number one, the bonds without question between the coaching staff and the local high schools and the players there definitely needs to be stronger than what it is. Um, Obviously, there's been a lot of noise um, in the community that has affected the public perception of the program and the coaching staff. Um, The decision by Al Golden 
not to make changes and, and treat the six and seven season um, almost as something that, you know, maybe didn't even happen and didn't warrant a hard look inside the program without question has had an impact in the mood and atmosphere that the Miami coaching staff had to deal with going out in recruiting. And there also obviously, as always, there's been a lot of speculation about, about cheating with all the different street agents running around South Florida, other third-party individuals getting involved in, in the process. It's no secret that, that cheating takes place in college football. It has for decades. And my opinion is that's not an excuse for missing out in recruiting because when that starts to enter the equation, to me, the key is that the bonds that have been established – between players and coaches and the program have to be strong enough to overcome that. They have not been so far in the first four years that Al Golden has been the head coach of the Hurricanes, and that without question, if he is going to continue to be the head coach and thrive in this position in the future, is something that must get corrected and should have been corrected already. More questions. What's the inside scoop on the Jordan Scarlett decommit? Um, many thought he'd be going to Florida State. He visited the Seminoles this past weekend. My sources are telling me that he's most likely going to commit, um, if he hasn't already, actually. I think it, was, it might have been said already. But we, we, I've been expecting him to go to the University of Florida and honestly have not had time to check and see what, what he has done this evening when he planned to make his announcement. So sorry about that one. Um, why is the program – um, flying around the country to places like California um, to try to find recruits instead of making that effort to keep South Florida recruits in-house? Why is the program's best recruiter, James Coley, limited to recruiting a handful of recruits like quarterbacks opposed to being the lockdown guy for South Florida recruits and others in recruiting? Um, best way I can answer that is very few programs take their coordinators and make them the primary players in recruiting. They're just way too busy during the, the season to get involved in recruiting to that degree. And, you know, James Coley, without question, has the best recruiting reputation on this Miami staff and, and, and the greatest foundation uh, to be that lead guy in recruiting. Um, but probably would be pretty difficult for him to take that role on a year-round basis when you consider his responsibilities as the offensive coordinator. But could he have a bigger role in recruiting? I don't think there's any question about that. And I think that's something else Al Golden definitely needs to look at as the Hurricanes begin, well, not really begin, but continue the 2016 cycle um, once they get past this signing day on Wednesday. Um, what is Al Golden's plan to fix the continued recruiting problems that he's having? How solid are all these commitments that have been coming in for 2016? So obviously an enormous amount of things to talk about tonight. Um, it should be an action-packed show. Again, the call-in number is 646 595-2048-646-595-2048. Uh, please only tie up a phone line if you're planning to participate in the show. Now, before we get to the phone lines, I want to take um, a few minutes here and give you guys a quick rundown of uh, where we see recruiting as it stands right now at 8 o'clock on Monday night um, to give you a little bit of a snapshot and um, then we'll move forward with your questions. But my guess is that this will answer quite a few questions right off the top of the show. 
All right, I'm going to begin with the quarterback position where, you know, a lot of drama, I guess you could say, was created this weekend when the Hurricanes got a visit from Torrance Gibson, the quarterback from Plantation American Heritage. Um, Great job by James Coley there in convincing Torrance Gibson to visit. Um, Initially, you would have looked at this and said that this is just a celebrity visit. He's just coming down to Coral Gables for a fun weekend, um, that kind of thing. But the one thing we know, and Torrance Gibson has not spoken about this visit, his head coach Mike Rumpf, a former Hurricane, also is not talking about Torrance Gibson's conversations with Miami. Um, So we're having to dig deep for information on this one. But the one thing we do know is that this was no vacation visit for Torrance Gibson. He went down to Miami very businesslike, very serious. Um, it was a real investigatory um, visit to just see where his place might be in the Miami program and weigh that against where it might stand at an Ohio State program where the quarterback position is pretty stacked up right now, and they just won the national title with a young quarterback. And um, clearly, Torrance Gibson would not be getting on the field really quickly at Ohio State. And the thing that he has to weigh, because he wouldn't be getting on the field very quickly at Miami either, unless they created a special package for him. And maybe James Coley is is throwing that out there. Um, We're not sure at this point. Um, But if you're going to sit for a couple years and learn, um, and if people are right and you're not really a quarterback, and a lot of people think Torrance Gibson is going to be a receiver ultimately in football, Would you rather it be 30 minutes from home um, where you're near your friends, your family, and everything as opposed to in in the middle of the state of Ohio? And um, that's something that as we sit here Monday night, Torrance Gibson is undoubtedly weighing. Um, We're told that that it's it's probably a a 50-50 decision for him right now, Um, although I will tell you that Ohio State thinks they still have him and – If they're right, obviously those percentages would slant more in Ohio State's uh, favor. Um, But again, nothing firm from Torrance Gibson at this point. Now, the other quarterback still on the Miami board is a a guy that for some reason in Georgia kind of slid under the radar a little bit. Um, His name is Evan Sheriffs. when you you know wind the videotape and and take a look at this kid, he's he's really a nice-looking quarterback prospect. And kind of surprising that more people did not make him a priority in recruiting. But um, the best reason I've been able to come up with for that is, you know, he's from Jefferson, Georgia. Not a lot of schools get recruiting there, um, really, when when you think about it. You know, Georgia, Georgia Tech take most of the kids in the state. He's a pure passing quarterback. Definitely would not fit the offense at Georgia Tech. And Georgia r- recruits quarterbacks nationally um, and is, is looking at the top quarterbacks in the country. So that might explain why Evan Shires kind of fell a little bit under the radar. Now, um, he's another one that's kind of gone quiet while waiting to see what his status is with Miami. And if Torrance Gibson doesn't come to Coral Gables, then James Coley more than likely will pick up the phone and offer Evan Shires a scholarship to the U. Um, if that does not, if Torrance Gibson does choose to become a hurricane, um, that would obviously complicate the situation a little bit. Um, we have not completely ruled out that Evan Sheriff might be Miami bound anyway, um, might possibly be enticed uh, to start out his career um, maybe a, a, as a preferred walk-on or, 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 or something along those lines. But the, the, a lot of questions 
still there that we just can't answer at this point, uh, but that should become more crystal clear in the next 36 hours. Okay, the running back position, um, you know that Mark Walton, the running back from Miami Booker T. Washington High School, has been committed to Miami all along. Originally was a 2016 recruit, um, accelerated his graduation to 2015, and now um, is going to be part of this recruiting class. Um, very much in the Duke Johnson mold from the sense that he decided very early on that he wanted to go to Miami and stuck with that commitment, never really wavered. There were occasional rumors here and there, maybe you know because of some of the noise locally, he got a little antsy at times and started to maybe take a little bit of a look at some other places. Um, but at the end of the day, um, Mark Walton remains solid all the way through to Miami and will unquestionably be one of the foundations of this recruiting class. Now, you know about the Jordan Scarlett decommit, but another running back that's been in the picture with Miami for a long time, um, who actually decommitted a while back, was Dexter Williams from Orlando West Orange High School. And um, Williams has pretty much been targeted to go to Notre Dame, but last week, uh, Miami came back into his picture, and Dexter's a kid that always wanted to be a Miami Hurricane. Uh, it it kind of dissipated for him as his uh, romance, flirtation, whatever you want to call it, with Notre Dame accelerated in the past month. Uh, so it's going to be pretty interesting to see the decision that Dexter Williams makes in the next 36 hours or so, um, whether he's going to go to Notre Dame as he was intending or fall back into the Miami fold with that scholarship option now back available to him with the Hurricanes. Um, right now we're calling this one Pretty close to 50-50. Really no signs of where he's going to go. We spoke to his coach tonight who told us that he's the kind of kid that can't really say no to anybody and that both Miami and Notre Dame fully believe that they are getting Dexter Williams. So uh, somebody is going to be very unhappy on Wednesday um, or maybe even as soon as tomorrow if if Dexter Williams makes those phone calls. um, And we'll continue to monitor that one for you. Um, the receiver position, um, been kind of a, a wild ride in recruiting. Um, Lawrence Cager from uh, Towson, Maryland, is believed to be a, a solid commitment. We, we think that you can expect him in the class. Um, another commitment has been um, Terrell Chapman from Louisiana. And, and this is a guy that's been making a lot of noise with other schools, um, TCU, LSU, and some others. And many have thought he's going to decommit from the Hurricanes. That has not happened yet. He visited this past weekend. His coach told us today that he believes that Terrell Chapman will sign with Miami on Wednesday. However, he has not spoken to Terrell Chapman in a few days. And um, his, his mom told us there's no guarantees anywhere. The drama is very high in Baton Rouge, Louisiana right now over what Terrell Chapman will do. Would not surprise us in the least if he dropped out of this recruiting class. Um, we think that one can go either way as well. Another one that can go either way is the recruitment of Antonio Callaway from Miami Booker T. Washington High School. Um, Right now, he's weighing Miami and Florida. He visited the Gators this past weekend. Um, People felt like he was leaning towards Miami before the Florida visit. Um, Our sources around the state up in Gainesville here in South Florida told us that Florida pulled even um, at the least over this week, this past weekend, when they made their hard pitch to Callaway. 
So this is another one too close to call, uh, 50-50. Uh, probably going to have to wait till signing day morning uh, at Booker T. Washington, a place where there always seems to be plenty of drama, uh, to see what Callaway ends up doing. He's a speed receiver, a guy that can work the slot, um, a very important piece of this recruiting class for Al Golden and James Coley. And uh, you can be sure they're going to be continuing to work the phones hard here tonight and into tomorrow to try to secure that Antonio Callaway uh, commitment. All right, tight end, there's only going to be one in the class. He's Jerome Washington, came from Agatica, New York uh, club team. He's already on campus. So let's move on to the offensive line, which from a number standpoint was a huge priority in recruiting this year. And it looks to us right now like the Hurricanes are going to land six offensive linemen in this class. They are Tyler Gauthier from Venice, Florida High School, uh, Jahair Jones from Brooklyn Asa College, who is already on campus, uh, Brendan Loftus from Tallahassee Godby, uh, Hayden Mahoney from Malvern, Pennsylvania Prep, Bar Milo, who comes from West Hills, California, Chaminade, the school that brought you Brad Kaya, his old left tackle from high school, uh, coming to play for the U with Kaya for at least the next two, possibly three years. And then the last offensive line recruit in this class is the one that you probably have to hold your breath on the most. That's Tyree St. Louis um, from Bradenton, Florida, IMG Academy. He has been committed to Miami for quite some time, but he visited Florida uh, this past weekend, and there has been some scuttlebutt that he might still be considering the Gators. Uh, We had communication with St. Louis today. He told us, no, I am coming to Miami. Um, so for right now, we'll take him on his word on that, and we're expecting Tyree St. Louis to be in this recruiting class on Wednesday. All right, uh, moving on to the defensive line position. Man, what a what a problem spot this has been for the Hurricanes. And, you know, they did a lot of recruiting this year out in California. With They looked like they had a shot at Rasheem Green, a five-star defensive lineman from the West Coast. Um, but at the end of the day, p- pulling him to Miami just became too tough. And, um, you know, on one hand, compliment Jethro Franklin, the defensive line coach, for, for getting Miami in the mix there and, and being a real player. Um, but at the same time, um, Franklin has struggled uh, as the lead recruiter of defensive linemen in his four years as a hurricane. Uh, Miami has not been able to land any elite prospects other than Chad Thomas and probably will still be the case this year. Um, the best of, of the group is probably Scott Patchen, defensive end, a hurricane legacy from Bradenton IMG Academy on, on, in the process of recovering uh, from an injury this past season. And you got to love Patchen's attitude. In fact, you know, one tweet that he sent out the other day caught my attention. He, he said, for my birthday, all I ask for is that I get a bunch of teammates on National Signing Day that want to earn it all, compete, and work hard, not drama queens. I thought that was one of the best tweets of the recruiting season. Um, not going to sit here and put and, and, and project passion for greatness at this point. Um, he's going to have to prove it to you and everybody else. Um, but coming out of high school, uh, without question, probably the most heralded of the defensive linemen that will be in this class. A defensive tackle in the class is Ryan Fiennes from Bradenton IMG Academy, played high school ball uh, with Patchen. Um, a good workman-like prospect, but certainly not one that's you know rated enormously high on the recruiting charts. 
Same thing goes for Richard McIntosh Jr. Uh, from Fort Lauderdale, Cardinal Gibbons, who's growing by leaps and bounds by the day and probably will also end up being a defensive tackle. Um, so let's take a look at what's left. Um, Kevin Scott was another California prospect that Jethro Franklin and Al Golden got on when they were out in California. But all signs that we're getting tell us that he is going to almost definitely sign with USC on Wednesday. We don't think he'll be part of the equation. Another one that we don't think is going to make it is Austrian Robinson from Pauling, New York. Um, he's weighing Miami, Maryland, and Old Miss. Um, we're expecting a Maryland commitment out of him on signing day. We think the Hurricanes are out of the picture. So there's two left that are sitting on the fence. One is Kendrick Norton from Jacksonville, Florida, Trinity Christian. Um, he's been on Miami lean for several weeks now, visited Auburn this past weekend, and Auburn – um, with that high-powered coaching staff that they have up there, did a really good job um, recruiting Kendrick. And uh, right now we're calling this one, you know, maybe 55-45 Miami, um, but it's very close. Um, Kendrick Norton could end up at Miami or Auburn. Another defensive lineman um, whose recruitment is, is hanging in the balance, also very much uh, as close to a 50-50 battle as, you know, you would you would expect at this point in the recruiting process is Shelton Johnson from Delray Beach Atlantic. Um, he was supposed to visit FSU this past weekend, but he was sick last week, never made that visit. So what the Florida State coaches did was they brought the visit to Shelton Johnson, and they had um, three different staffers visit Johnson in his home, get to know his family. Um, our sources tell us that Shelton's mom is very much in favor of him going to Miami. Um, if we had to make a prediction right now, it would be that Shelton Johnson would land in the Miami class. But our sources also tell us that the Florida State staff felt very good after those home visits, and they feel that they have a legitimate shot at pulling Shelton Johnson out of South Florida. Um, so like we said, pretty close to a 50-50 proposition there. The Hurricanes don't have an enormous amount going on at linebacker. Um, Jamie Gordner is a prospect from Red Bank, New Jersey Catholic, who looks really solid on film. Um, probably a middle linebacker uh, at, at Miami, you would think, just the way he plays the game. And, um, you know, we'll see how his career develops. Is he a can't-miss prospect? Absolutely not. Neither is Charles Perry from West Palm Beach, Royal Palm Beach High, the other linebacker that will be in this class. Um, we feel Miami needed to do better than just Gordner and Perry in recruiting this year. Um, but we'll, you know, obviously continue to see how these two develop as they become hurricanes. But that's a, that's a weak position on the Miami roster right now. We felt Miami needed to get one or two high-impact recruits at linebacker. They were unable to do that in recruiting, very much like they were unable to do it at the defensive tackle position, another very critical spot uh, for Al Golden. So a lot of concern, in my opinion, about what's taking place on recruiting on the defensive side of the ball. Um, obviously getting uh, a Kendrick Norton commitment and a Shelton Johnson commitment here in the last uh, 36 hours would help the situation. Um, but either way, you would have liked to see Miami accomplish more at defensive line and linebacker in this recruiting cycle uh, when you look at it honestly. Defensive back recruiting has really been kind of crazy. You know, so many top local prospects available to the Hurricanes this year, but very few of them committing to Miami, opting to go out of town, places like Alabama, um, 
Auburn, you know, just just not not really the, the success that that Golden and company were looking for going into recruiting. And there were there were some other guys like Sheldrick Redwine and Rashad Fenton from Carroll City, Redwine from Miami Killian, who they've tried to get on here late. Um, after not recruiting through the entire recruiting process, and a couple kids that are going to some pretty decent schools and being recruited by good people. Um, there was another one at St. Thomas Aquinas, Damon Arnett, who's picking between Ohio State and Michigan. But when Miami evaluated him, they didn't feel like he, he was the guy that was going to fit in their program. Um, Sean Burgess Becker, Calvin Ridley's, you know, um, step, you know, I mean, foster brother, or, you know, I guess, I guess, and who's going with Ridley to Alabama, uh, just an enormous amount of talent at the defensive back position that has gotten away in this recruiting cycle. And, um, but who's coming? Well, um, starts with Michael Jackson, a cornerback from Birmingham, Alabama, an underrated prospect and a, and a guy that we think can be a real high-quality physical corner at Miami. Um, Jaquan Johnson, a little bit of an undersized safety from Miami Killian High School. He's already on campus. And then a sleeper safety from Miami Edison High, Robert Knowles, um, who, who the Hurricanes picked up here late in the recruiting process. Um, looks very good on film, uh, could be one of those Dade County players that develops into a decent college player that a lot of people didn't think about um, because of the pure volume of athletes in the South Florida area. Who's still on the fence? Well, Devontae Davis over at Booker T. Washington has said he is solid to Texas, but we know that the Hurricanes continue to recruit him. Um, Fenton always has the option of um, deciding to get in on this recruiting class, but has not shown any signs that he's going to do that. Uh, the interesting one to watch is Marcus Lewis from Washington, D.C., a, a, a high-quality cornerback who many felt all along was going to be a Miami Hurricane and has showed strong signs that he wants to be a Miami Hurricane. Um, but from what our information is telling us, um, Lewis has to convince his mom that Miami's the right place for him. If that happens, you might see Marcus Lewis sign with the Hurricanes on Wednesday. Um, if not, it looks most likely like he will be going to Kentucky. So we'll see what happens there. And then the other DB still alive is Sheldrick Redwine, who we mentioned a few minutes ago from Miami Killian, a guy Miami just started recruiting a week ago. He's a Louisville commitment. Um, right now, Louisville believes that they're holding on to him, but we think Redwine could go either way and would not be shocked to see him flip to Miami on signing day. All right, I'm going to take a deep breath, let you guys start doing some of the talking. That gives you a rundown of exactly where things stand in recruiting. Um, as I said at the top of the show, obviously a little bit of a mixed bag, some positive, some negative um, to digest here as we move forward in the show. Um, but either way, Wednesday promises to be a very interesting national signing day. So the number is 646-595-2048, 646-595-2048. Let's begin our phone calls tonight. And again, keep them brief to the point and on recruiting so we can get everybody on tonight. Let's go out to the 513 where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How you doing? Cincinnati. Oh, I'm doing pretty good, man. Um, just a couple of uh, quick questions here for you. Wanted to know um, if you can just uh, share with us, the fans, what exactly happened with Scarlett? 
because I felt like he wanted to commit to FSU during the season. I just never felt that his commitment was so sincere like he made it out to be. Like almost like he just trolled us the whole time he was committed. So your yeah. thoughts on that, if you can share that. That's a pretty accurate description. I, I, trolling is a very appropriate word for what went on with Jordan Scarlett. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think the whole thing is totally disgusting. Uh, I, I can't uh, believe that it happened with a kid from St. Thomas Aquinas High School, uh, uh, a high school that's always had great integrity in recruiting and, and has not allowed their kids to play games with people like this. And I think it's a lot. Uh, it has to be part of the reason why they fired the head coach there because the higher-ups at that school can't be happy watching their student-athletes conduct business like this. And um, um, I heard from sources that I have at St. Thomas that Scarlett was not coming to Miami as far back as two, three months ago. And, uh-huh. you know, so I kind of watched this thing play out. And he, he, well, let me, let me tell you, let me, let, me, let me finish telling you what happened and then uh-huh. – um, you know, he he kept going down there. He kept telling the coaches he was going to Miami. Kept throwing up the U. Kept you know going to the All Star games, pretending to be recruiting for Miami, and 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 played the whole thing like he was going to Miami. I don't believe he ever intended to go to Miami. Okay, right. and you know I I think it's absolutely criminal the way he played this coaching staff. Now. Um, a lot of people thought he was going to go to Florida State, and Florida State had the last visit this past weekend. And like I said earlier in the show, I haven't had a chance to even look yet. I, I, he was supposed to announce. I'm pretty sure if he did he announce, he announced. Did he announce yeah, for Florida? Florida. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was expecting to happen. Um, so, um, you know, I, I don't think he ever intended to be a hurricane, and um, I, I think it's kind of disgusting the way it went, to be honest with you. Wow. I just – and that just – and the thing is, is – I don't know you about the St. Thomas things, but they were from university school, which kind of made it like, okay, are they really a St. Thomas Aquinas guys? You know what I mean? Or are they university school guys who just happen to transfer into a good school? You see what I'm trying You're to right. say? Because I just, I just kind of felt like from the all along, it just seemed like even when he committed, it kind of came out the blue. I was like, Scarlett's choosing us? I said every article we had on him, he was talking about Florida State like crazy. Yep. You know what I mean? So hey, that I got was crazy. Florida State thought they were getting them. There was no doubt. There was no no doubt in Florida State's mind going into that visit this past weekend that they were getting uh-huh. Jordan Scarlett. And oh, wow. they shocked. He he shocked Florida State also. Wow, that's just crazy. Now, second question I have for you is, is this? And I know you're probably going. Is Al Golden having a press conference to announce the class like he always does? You know, when a signing class is official. Yep. Wednesday at 4 o'clock. Okay. Yep, Wednesday at 4 o'clock. And, and, and now, Gary, I know that you got to kind of draw a fine line between, you know, what you ask him. But can you please? No, I don't. I, and I'm, okay. Well, I'm speaking for all the that, fans. That, 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 is a, that, that is a total fallacy on the message boards. I, I okay. don't have to draw any lines. Okay. okay yeah, so I can ask, ask any you, question Gary. I want. I'm not getting kicked off campus if I ask tough questions. However, I've been doing this for 30 years, and I know what I know how to ask questions, and I know what questions you ask at a press conference and what questions you don't ask at a press conference. And it's you know what people don't understand is it's not it's not my role in life, it's not Matt's role in life or any of our roles in life to go into a press conference and start attacking the head coach. You know that's not what right. you do at a press conference. Now you can ask tough questions, you know. Coach Golden, why did you choose 
not to make staff changes this year and let him answer it. But you're not going to like his answer because it's going to be a sugar-coated answer. But I'm sure he'll be asked it on Wednesday. Um, but the point is it's not my place to walk into a press conference and start attacking him. No, no, no. The way I'm he gets like, attacked on message boards. That's not the way it works. What, can you can you answer this just for me because I'm frustrated as a, as a hardcore fan. I want to know, and please share some insight if you have any, on what the disconnect is, it seems, between the DB coach and South Florida kids. Because this was a deep class this year. If you look at our roster, we don't have much depth at all. And I'm looking like this was the year to pick up corners, and you're getting a kid. Michael Jackson seems like a great prospect out of Alabama. Great prospect. But that's not good if you're looking at the fact that we only have one corner and he's not even from South Florida. I mean, is it like kids just don't want to play for Paul Wood? I mean, can you just share whatever well, you have? Well, I, I, I think it starts with the overall public perception of the defense in the South Florida football community. Um, they don't like the style of defense. It's been a much-talked-about topic for four years. Uh, Mark D'Onofrio has been sliced and diced and shredded in five million pieces over the last four years. So there's not a great public perception of the defensive coordinator. Um, for some reason, there's a personality disconnect with Paul Williams, the defensive backs coach, and they don't like him in the high schools down here. They're very vocal about it. Um, I hear it every time I go out in the community, when I go to seven-on-seven practices and tryouts and, and, and get out there around the high school coaches and, and local football people, um, people, for whatever reason. And, you know, you and I could sit down and, you know, you could come over to my house and I could invite Paul Williams over to dinner and we'd have, we'd have a great conversation. You'd think he's a really nice guy. And you wouldn't see any issues. But as it relates to him bonding with the coaches and athletes in the South Florida area, um, there is a, this, for some reason, there's a strong disconnect. And it's a disconnect to a degree unlike I can remember ever seeing of any Miami assistant position coach. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what it is, but I feel pretty sure that unless – you know, Paul Williams finds a job somewhere else and is no longer in this Miami program, they are going to struggle with local defensive backs. And, and you know, it, it's the thing that's a shame for, for Al Golden and the program in general is this year was one of those freakish years for defensive backs. You've got so many top prospects that are going to, you know, very upper-tier colleges here on Wednesday that could have been potentially part of the Miami fold um, and are getting away. And, it, and it, it's, it's a horrible fail in this recruiting cycle. And um, the only positive out of it is that South Florida is obviously a breeding ground for defensive backs, and there will be days in the future where they could start to make up for what they lost here in 2015. But they could have set this defensive back position up for the next five years, and they were unable to do so. Now, you know, that said, uh, Michael Jackson is a good prospect, and, and shouldn't, you know, because they didn't get the, all these kids from South Florida, um, he should not be diminished. Um, he's a bigger corner, 
plays physical. You know, he's got a chance to be a pretty good player. And um, Jaquan Johnson, many think he's the best pure athlete in Miami. Um, so you'll have to see how he develops as a defensive back. Uh, Robert Knowles, a little bit of a sleeper, um, but another, you know, kind of South Florida kid who might develop into a decent player. So they they have gotten a few bodies there, but – you know, there's no sugarcoating this. Though, Gary, it's, yeah, I mean, I mean, if you look at our depth, and I'm, I'm not going to keep you on long, but if you look at our depth, it's not very good at all. No. I mean, no, I mean, and this was a year that could have been fixed, and and it's not getting fixed. And and like I said, without question, um, and only because they're not getting a, a great defensive tackle in this class, and they're not getting an instant impact linebacker, at least not on the surface in this class. So those are great fails also, in my opinion. But because of the quality and number of, of really good defensive backs in South Florida this year, um, to not just be fortifying, fortifying that position for the next five years, to me, has to probably be the biggest fail of this cycle in recruiting. Wow. Well, Gary, like I said, man, just keep me on hold. Oh, one quick question, and I'm going to let you go, and you can just put me on hold. Why would you send the two guys who people don't really relate to kids-wise out to go see a five-star defensive tackle in green and Franklin D'Onofrio? Could you please explain that to me? Like, why would they do that? when it just Because like I don't think Al Golden looks at that like you do. You know, I think he oh believes in those God, guys, Gary, you know, and, and let me tell don't you something. That, it's like we should all have a boss Gary, or a best friend or whatever you want to call it. That, I have that has this, Matt with, oh, gosh. But, oh, you know, you he's not looking at it I like just, that. I mean, Mark D'Onofrio is his right-hand guy, and Jethro Franklin's his defensive line coach. And, and in his mind, they're going out there to California, and they're going to land Rasheem Green. They're not going out there to fail. And, and you know, Al Golden oh. is the most positive guy you'll ever come across. So he's not looking at it like you're looking at it or I might be looking at it. And, um, listen, it is what it is right now. I mean, there's, there's you know, obviously it's been talked about and beaten up and, and coaches getting assaulted and athletic directors getting assaulted right now the situation is what it is um and you know all you can do as a fan is just see where it all goes from here all right Gary, we'll just keep me on hold man Good show man you got it thanks for being part of it all right now. all right all right six four six five nine five two zero four eight let's go now to the three zero five dade county a place where the hurricanes would have liked to get a few more players, I imagine, this year. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. I'll, I'll commit to Miami, Gary. It's my record. <laughs> Doing good. Is this Robert? It is. It is. The one and only. Yeah, I was wondering, can well, you go into a little bit more? Huh? I'll throw, I'll throw this out. You you and I, I remember, had a nice little conversation about Jordan Scarlett a few months ago. and um, Never come you know. Here. Yeah, we knew we we knew he wasn't coming, and you know, man, I I just don't understand why he played the game for God. That must have been what three months ago we talked about it, uh, at least. And from what I heard, yeah. he was never coming there even prior to that. So, I know. I don't know why he. I just don't know why he did what he did. It's it's really it's kind of a, sad to see kids um, mess with grown men like that. You know, I don't like it. But anyway, so guys, what you got tonight? Well, can you go into a little bit more depth? So how did that, with, with the Dexter Williams situation, where did that come into play? He only had a committable offer if he was able to come early. Is that how it was 
that panned out, or did they drop him? Well, I think that's how it started. And then I I think that that became an easy out for Miami because with three, they weren't going to take three running backs. Okay, it was too many. And and somebody had to drop off, and and they didn't want the crowd to cost them um, Walton. And at that point, they felt that Scarlett strongly was going to, wanted to be a hurricane. So Dexter Williams, at that moment in time, was the odd man out. And so in the meantime, Dexter goes and falls in love with Notre Dame, gets the full court press from the Irish, um, decides that that's where he's going to go, even though his heart uh, really was staying you know, down here in Florida and coming down to Miami. Um, so then last week, when when – I guess Miami coaches started to get a feeling like, you know, Jordan Scarlett might not really be as solid as he's letting on. Um, they called Dexter Williams up and said, hey, uh, we're giving you your offer back. And um, there's been a lot of dialogue since that day. And we talked to Dexter Williams' coach today, and he, he told us that you have no idea which way Dexter's going to go, that he that if you talk to Miami, they think they're getting them. If you talk to Notre Dame, they think they're getting them. And, um, you know, they you know it could go either way. Right. Um, well, well, I mean, you know, just I wanted to see if you go into depth about two specific prospects because I only care about the Dade County kids because I know the only way you'll win college football is if you keep the kids home. So I'm not even going to go into depth about uh, losing all the other guys. But um, Mark Walton, who, who can you compare him to? Do you think he's is he an instant impact guy or is he? Uh, I mean, he's young. I would assume. Um, do you think he's going to need a year? Or where, where do you see him? In you know what type of player do you think? Well, I think he plays next year. You know, I don't think there's any question about it. I think he's the he's, I think he'll be the number three running back. I'm not I'm not sold on Gray uh, as a running back. We'll have to see where he ends up and how his career develops. I I think Mark Walton's the number three back next year. I think um, you know Edwards and Yearby. Um, one of them will emerge as the starter. If I had to pick one right now, I would say Edwards has the best shot just because he's a bigger back and makes more sense to be the starter. Um, but then Yearby's obviously going to get his opportunities, and then I think Walton is going to get a chance as well. I think he plays next year. Right. Can you compare him to any Dade County running back you've seen in the last 20 years? I'd rather compare him to Hurricane running backs. And um, to me, yeah. he's a lot like maybe like a Clinton Portis maybe um, type of type of back um, or maybe like, a, you know, Willis McGahee um, a little bit in that, in that kind of mold. Um, you know, but it's hard. You know, we, you're talking about a high school kid. I yeah, mean, it's, yeah, it's, no, it's no. hard to, I mean, to really project that. I mean, he's not Duke Johnson. I mean, and I know no, that. But, right. you know, I knew Duke Johnson was going to walk on the campus and be special. Yeah, okay. but, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I know this. Of all the running backs they were recruiting, um, he was universally believed to be the best and um, should have a very good college career. But I think Dexter Williams could have a good college career, too. And I think he's the kind of guy that could come into the ACC and make very strong contribution for the next four years, four to five years, depending on if he redshirts. Okay. And the other prospect I had just a question on, Jaquan Johnson. I mean, if you ask the local guys, you you know, local coaches, they all think he's probably the best athlete in Dade County. And I just saw on Rivals, they bumped him just down to a three-star. So there seems to be some type of disparity there. Is there what is your opinion of him? Well, I, I wouldn't get too caught up in the rating because, 
you know, he oh, played I, a Killian. Yeah. He, he didn't really get a chance to be very high profile. Um, a lot of people do consider him the best athlete in Dade County, but he's a shade undersized. That 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 would be one factor. And when it comes to the star ratings, what happens is as the year goes on, a lot of kids move up based on performances. And um, you know, when kids move up, others got to move down. And there's only there can only be so many four stars and so many five stars. And that's what happened to to Jaquan, and uh, kind of just got lost in the shuffle a little bit. I think you know didn't didn't really have the type of resume to allow him to, to, to hold up at that four-star level. But that doesn't mean he's not a four-star level athlete. Um, he probably is. And we'll just have to see how he develops as a football player. Right. I mean, I've, in all my years of following recruiting, I've never seen Miami have – where they're losing linebackers to Nebraska, Pittsburgh. They're losing players to them. The only players really they're getting now is the – you know, the SEC types that they're not, they just don't have room for, and Miami's kind of getting lucky to hold on to them. I mean, this is, this is just a total disaster waiting now. It's only getting worse. I mean, this is, this is just awful what's going on here. We're getting well, it, you know, it's been a problem for the last few years. Uh, there's no question that they're recruiting on the second tier. They are not, they are not recruiting at the top tier. Um, right. You know, let, let, let's be honest. I mean, you know, looking at, at the guys that are committed right now, um, you know, no five stars. Uh, right now they've got six four stars on the commitment list. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're, they're recruiting pretty much at the, at, kind of like at the second tier right now, occasionally fishing for like a kid like Rasheem Green who's in the upper tier. Um, but they're not really a player right now in that upper tier and probably won't be again until they start to win again. Um, but it, it has been a problem, like you said, for the past – several years and um unfortunately Al Golden has not done enough to address it and when you go six and seven that's why it got worse than it was a year ago. Yeah. And my last point is I don't want to hear anyone to start talking about this two thousand sixteen being the the coming out party or whatever because you know how this works. All these kids pimp Miami for offers. They get the Miami offer just to get some more attention and that's gonna go. And you know when we a year from now, if we're talking, we're going to be like, oh, you remember when that kid was committed? Now he's at Alabama. And I can tell you right now, and you know that I probably would have a little insight into that, but that is, that is definitely going to be the case. So, that's, yeah, so I, I agree. It, it, it's more, it's more of a PR thing than a reality thing. <laughs> I mean, you can't sit here a year before signing day talking about having the number one recruiting class in the country because, you, because there's 12 commitments and everybody else has two or three and hasn't even gotten started yet. You know I mean? Um so, you know, I agree with you. No no doubt about it. You can't put too much stock in it. Yeah. All right, Gary. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to ever be negative. So that before we get this trick conversation, go the other way. I'll, let, I'll, I'll listen in. So, But I appreciate your time. All right. Hey, thanks for being part of the show, as always. Uh, you got it. Have a good one. You too. All right. 646-595-2048. Let's go out to... The 845, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Yeah, Gary, how you doing, Greg? Hey, what's up, Greg? How you doing this week? Good. I got a couple questions for you. Um, how can don't we have about 14 D commits already in this class? Well, we're not counting, but you're probably right. I, it sounds like you've been counting. Well, and um. I gotta, I gotta ask the 
TCU, they don't have many four- and five-star players. They win consistently. Yeah, it doesn't mean you can't win. Yeah, it it is also about coaching, and and there's no reason why you can't win without without it. No, nobody's saying that. You have a you have a much greater chance to win big if you get the four and five stars, but that doesn't mean you can't take a team full of four stars and and three stars and be very competitive and 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 win also. I don't believe there was one guy that played yesterday in the Super Bowl that was a five-star coming out of high school. So it's possible to win without five- and four-star players. Yeah, if you uh, put the right team together. Right. Um, So is the uh, athletic director, is he, like, not – Paying attention to what's going on here, that we can't, we're losing players constantly. We can't. He's paying attention. The He's fans are making really sure he pays attention. He gets bombarded with emails and and everything else. He is fully on top of what's going on. Let me ask you one: Isn't Kevin? Wasn't Kevin Beard like one of the coaches of these seven on seven teams? Yes. Doesn't he have any pull with any of these kids? I mean, minimal. I mean, who are you supposed to have pull with? You know, you would have thought he might have had pull with Scarlett. You know, Sam Bruce, he should have a little pull with. Okay. I mean, I I, I watched him work with Calvin Ridley. You would have thought maybe a little pull there, but he's not even a coach. Okay, but... Uh, and started out at university school, goes to St. Thomas, then he goes to FAU, then he goes to Miami, now he's in Florida. It, it, it's, the, 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 the system is not right. Yet something has to be done about this system. The, no, the system's not the problem. The problem is the guidance some of these kids get. He clearly didn't have enough of it. Because the way he conducted his recruiting was not was not cool. Whether whether it's you know, and it's not just you know, I'm not saying this because Miami got trolled and and you know got dissed or whatever you want to call it. I mean that's not how you handle being recruited by colleges. You don't play games with people. Well, my my friend knows a lot of people down there, and he says Gibson could probably be the best wide receiver around if he played wide receiver. Yeah, that's correct, and that's why everybody wants him. I don't think too many people really think he's going to be a quarterback. I mean, maybe, you know, in that whole Ohio State offense, he might have eventually have a chance. But this kid can be like a number one draft pick at receiver. He's making a big mistake. He should be begging to go to play receiver. This kid, Barrett, was only a freshman this year. He's going to have to fight him for the next three years. Yep. He's, he's no better than fourth string right now, and he could be second string at Miami right now. So I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. All right, could you put me on hold? Thank you very much. All right, Craig. Hey, thank you for being part of the show. All right, let's go out now to the um, let's go to the six seven eight where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Good evening, Gary. This is Uki. Oh, hey, what's good? Hey, what's up, Pookie? How you doing tonight? I'm doing all right, man. Um, I just I want to talk about, you know, of course, we're talking about recruiting tonight. Um, 
I don't remember last the last show me and you was talking and I was talking to you about uh depth and competition. And I'm gonna say this, you know, um about the Scarlet E commitment. He that's a kid that we that we could use even though like a lot of people, you know, saying, Well, that's not a big need for us, for us, you know, because clearly on the defensive side of the ball is where we really need the, the talent. But when you look at the other schools that he's thinking about going to, like Florida, uh, Florida State, they they kind of have depth at, at their back at in their backfield, and it's it's kind of saying that he wants to go there and compete, and it's the same thing. Well, Florida, Florida, you know, they can use him at Florida. And that's where he's going. But I'm telling you, but that kid, but the the, the kid, uh, Fred Junior, he he's he's a damn good back though. He's he's not. I mean, I don't think Scarlett is gonna walk on the campus and take and, and start start starting over uh, Fred's Fred Taylor's um, son. But I will say this though, I will say this. Like I, the same thing I was saying about Sonny Michelle when Sonny Michelle ran to Georgia, which they had a heck of a uh, up at their backfield. We we are not getting. We're not getting the talent that we, uh, of course, what we need at certain positions. But we're not. We're just not getting the kids that want to compete. And we not. We we filling bodies with, like you said, lower tier talent, and which is which, which which doesn't really help with you know with the competition part in practice because you got some kids that come here and they automatically know they're going to play. Like I said, who nobody, even though Duke was just a special running back, but there was nobody that was there to really push him, to, in my opinion, all the years he was here, just like Lamar Miller before he got here. There was nobody really there to really push him to, you know, to 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 who knows how great he could have, they could have been, even though he did break a lot of records at UM and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm talking about what who's behind these players that make these players want to look over their shoulders. Let you know they say, "Hey, I got this kid behind me, and he can start any any, any school." But you know, so he coming for me, and we don't we don't have that right now. So now we going for you know these these kids that you know they 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 may some of them may be four stars. You know, they come in here because they know they they gonna get on the field immediately, and they know that the depth chart is not that great. And until we get other kids with that same amount of talent that want to come here and compete, we we gonna struggle on the field, and and that's how that's how I look at it. But I'm I'm just wondering, like going forward, like on how do you how does the depth chart at linebacker um shape out to you next year? Because I I mean, we, the two kids that we got coming in now they're just pro, they're just projects. I yeah, I don't think that they factor into next year. I don't want to go too much into next year's team right now. I want us to keep it on recruiting tonight. Um, you know, but 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 obviously linebacker is not one of the spots on this team that that, that is one of the stronger areas. I don't you know I don't think that that's any secret. Um, you know, I think you're looking at Darian Owens probably claiming an outside linebacker spot. I think you're probably looking at Raphael Kirby playing in the middle. Um, and I think you're probably looking at Jermaine Grace getting the other outside spot, and you know it's okay. It's but you know it, it, at least on the surface right now, going into next year, it's not great. Um, I felt like they needed to get some really high quality guys to fortify that position here in recruiting, um, and I think they've got a couple 
decent high school players coming in, guys that they can work with and develop. Um, the Gordon kid from New Jersey has got nice film, um, plays with a high motor. He's got some potential. Um, but are any of these guys can't miss? Um, I don't feel that that's the case. Yeah, and the thing just my opinion, but I don't feel like it is. The thing that shocked me the most with recruiting, even though like I shouldn't be surprised, is that you know we're a year with you know out of outside of the NCAA um, investigation, and it seems like the D line position has gotten worse. It seemed like it was, I mean, outside of the cloud, and it's just hard. It's 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 crazy the phantom to think Miami. You know, with the with the history of the tackles that we have, that we we can't even string along one decent de- defensive tackle in this class, and that's just crazy. Even with the the, the you know the, you know that the opportunity of playing is just crazy. Like kids would just rather go sit somewhere else before they come here and you know and and and, and maybe potentially start first year at Miami. And that's that's bad. That's bad. And yep. you know, I don't, I don't know. You know, saying like how Golden fixed that, but it, this is the year where he's definitely, you know, he didn't make any changes on staff. So this is the year that you productivity wise, you got to start getting it out of your coaches because if if you don't. It's just going to get worse, you know. And it, well, I mean, and, hey, look here. Here's the bottom line, and 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 we've been through this over and over and over again. And you guys know how I feel. I think they're all really nice guys and and everything, but this is not a top of the line, major, upper level, um, top ten, top fifteen staff, top to bottom. It doesn't have enough good recruiters in it. Um, obviously, the, on the defensive side of the ball in particular, there, there appears to be several weak, weak spots um, from both a football and a recruiting standpoint. And if that's the case, coming out of last year and into this year and now going into another recruiting cycle, if that's true, which m- many of, of us out here in the real world feel is true, if it is true, why would anything be different as we sit here tonight analyzing a new recruiting class. And that's why I'm not – there is nothing going on here that's of any surprise to me at all. Um, you know, I, I that they've fallen to the 27th class in the country coming off a 6-7 and seven season, uh, I'm, I don't think that that's a shocker or, or, or a surprise at all. And, you know, that they, again, are letting an enormous amount of talent leave South Florida – that's not a surprise. That's what that's what's happened the last three years. So yeah. until you fix problems that you have, those problems, in my opinion, are not going away. And, and to me, that's the most disappointing thing as an outside observer and, and a guy that felt from day one that Al Golden could be a huge success at Miami. The most disappointing thing to me watching him and analyzing what he's doing is – his failure to address, recognize and address the problems that he has, and therefore those problems are not going anywhere. They're staying right where they've been, right where they are, and they're getting worse, which is what happens when you aren't proactive and fix problems. And and that's just and you know, that's just the bottom line. Yeah. And there's one one last thing, Gary, and I I just wanna say this. Um, you know, a lot of people 
want to jump, want to you know jump on um, Jordan Scarlett and how he handled his recruitment. They want to say he trolled Miami, and you know he was never coming. He did. But I'm gonna say this. He maybe he did. He probably did. I'm sure he did. But let me just say this: people who 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 are upset with the kid. This is this, these some of these kids. This is their only opportunity to to have this type of attention. Let's let's face it. A lot of them not after once this is it. This is it. This is done. You know they become another fish in the pond. But I'm gonna say this: the people who are taking shots at this kid for how he's handling his recruitment. Let's think about this. Bush Davis recruited the world class too, and he told that class he was going to be there. Next thing you know, he was on the podium signing the contract to play for the Cleveland Browns. So what we want to talk about a character of a 17-year-old kid. Let's talk about the character of some of these uh, grown co- behind coaches who are making million-dollar um, contracts already and then bounce and leave players when they're promised to be there the next year and the year after that to jump to new careers. So when these players, this is their only shot. is They only get one opportunity to make the right decision to the right school. And if, if it doesn't work out, Hey, some of them can transfer, but then they have to go and sit out for a couple of years. So, you know, while everybody wants to jump on these kids, you got to look at their circumstances and how the NCAA rules are stacked against them. But these coaches go from job to job and make all the money that they can make. But players want to jump on, people want to jump on 17-year-old kids who are just trying to get it just like these coaches, who who playing the game just like some of these coaches play it. It's a business. Is business, okay, you know? but but at the same time, these are kids, young kids who are getting the opportunity to go play major college football, get a free education, yeah, exactly. be exactly. set up for life. Exactly. In my opinion, in some cases, you say they need to be more you say respectful of that. Life, Gary, when you say get set up for life, what do you mean by getting set up for life? We well, you get a free education, which gives you an opportunity to go get a degree, a, a college degree, and a lot of these kids wouldn't have that opportunity. Not, not forget yeah, the financial, yeah. um, yeah. of, and you know, uh, situations of each each you household. Some of them are okay. Some of them would not be okay in that regard. Um, but a lot of them academically would not get admitted to high-level colleges either. And, you know, this is an opportunity to go get an education, have an, an, a, if you're not a great student, and, you know, it's not just limited, obviously, to athletes. I mean, all, all, a lot of us listening tonight are parents and have, have kids with different levels of academic capability and stuff. Um, but y- these kids get an enormous amount of support. They have they have tutors, um, counselors. They go get wait a minute, okay, They get they get a free education, and for, that's before they ever step foot on the football field. They're getting the opportunities to set themselves up for a bright future, even if they're not great athletes at the end of the day. And um, I just don't feel like that warrants them toying with these grown men and and playing but, games but with universities and, and disrespecting but, people. But you're but you don't feel bad for the kids when they're being told that a coach is going to be there and then the coach. No, I don't feel bad for a kid that gets a scholarship to Alabama or Miami or Florida State, um, and and is getting a free education at that school. If if, if you forget Miami, because you know, let's talk about Florida State. Let's say um, you get a schol, you're a high school kid, and you get a scholarship to Florida State, and Jimbo Fisher goes to the NFL next year. Should I be playing the violin for you? Oh, jeez. You know, you, you don't get to play for Jimbo Fisher your last three years. You're going to get another another good head coach. <laughs> no, I mean, in, they, it might, that's it just might the business, in, and that's the might, way it is. 
Um, At the the end of the day, these kids are getting great opportunities. They should treat them with respect. They should treat the adults that they're dealing with with respect and not play games with people. I think it should should be played the same way. These these coaches should be held to a standard. If you want to help the players. What are you saying? So where where do you draw the line? So if if, if I'm a receivers coach at Miami and I recruit recruit Calvin Ridley, I've got to – I've got to guarantee to stay there for five years and, and, and that I'm going to be Calvin Ridley's coach for the next five years? No. Was, where do you draw the line? When are you allowed to go p- p- um, pursue a new uh, career opportunity? I mean, everyone's going to leave at some point. Okay, just like this, but these recruits have the, the right to do handle their recruitment any way they want to recruit, just like these coaches. Not when you're disrespecting people. No, I disagree. Gary Golden there, there, the there's a there's a line. You you have the right Golden to go to school Golden wherever Golden you think is best Golden, for you. But I, I what Golden, what what bothers me is the disrespect. And there's way too much disrespect going on in recruiting right now. These Golden kids are making fools of forty year old men. Fools. Okay, and Golden and Golden, Golden is pretty much making a, a fool out of the University of Miami, but from the way he. Well, that's a, okay, come on. We're not going there tonight. That's a whole different debate. And and you know. We, we've okay, beaten yeah. that one to a dead horse. All right, okay, so, hey, okay, thank you for being yeah, part of the show. Appreciate you as always. And uh, we'll see what happens Wednesday. All righty? All right, the infamous Uki. All right, um, it's uh, 9.04, one hour down, at, at least two more to go. And um, at this point, I want to bring in um, Matt Shodell, our managing editor, who's been uh, pounding the uh, – the phone lines tonight uh, while I did the first hour of the show, and I, I want to bring him on. He may have to come and go a little bit here. We are still actively chasing all these recruits and trying to bring you the cutting-edge uh, information on, on what's going on with these lingering issues in recruiting. And uh, Matt, I believe you're with us now, aren't you? Yeah, I, I have to follow the infamous Uki. Is that what you call them? <laughs> yeah, he is infamous. But, no, he, I mean, he made, some good, he made some good points. But, uh, you know, I mean, we've seen it obviously up close and personal. And I just think that some of the disrespect that some of these kids are way too comfortable imposing on these grown coaches that are, you know, making themselves into, you know, absolute fools flying around the country, kissing butts of these high school kids. um, I just think a lot of the disrespect is not warranted. I mean, some kids, some kids are like that, but the vast majority really don't, know how to say no you know some of them have grown up without father figures and these coaches have sort of taken on a role you know they call these kids every night um they 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 really have great rapports with these student athletes over two and three year periods and then push comes to shove and the coach says listen you know are you are you going to come to miami and the kid will say oh yeah coach yeah yeah i'm going to come to miami and then the next coach says, oh are you going to come to louisville oh yeah coach i'm going to louisville i mean if you talk to these coaches Many many different schools think many different recruits are all going to pick their schools a week before signing day, and it's more uh, to me uh, a factor of these kids just really feeling badly and feeling like they don't have guidance really to say to a coach, "Sorry, coach, you know it's a week before signing day, and I'm just going in a different direction." They just they don't have the maturity maybe or they don't have the guidance to do it, but I think that drives it as much as anything. Now you look at the kids like Calvin Ridley, yeah, he was disrespectful to the media, he's been disrespectful. Uh, to myself, <laughs> for those of you that have followed his recruitment. Um, so, yeah, there are kids who just who just don't care. But I think the vast majority do care. They just, they just don't know how to deal with it. 
All right, Matt, we're going to um, go back out to the phones. You'll stay with us for a while. If you have to dive out because your phone rings, just let me know, and um, we'll go from there. We're going to go out now to the 845, where you're now live on Kane Sport Live. Yeah, Are you I with us? On, Going once. I was on, I'm on hold. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. My bad. Wrong number. Let's go to Tallahassee, the 850. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Yeah, hey, how you doing tonight, Gary? We're doing good. How you doing? Who's this? Oh, I'm Travis up here in uh, Tallahassee in enemy territory, so to say. So what's going uh, on in Tallahassee tonight? The main question I want to know is, uh, you know, it seems like every year we have all these commitments that commit to us early, all these high-end prospects and everything, and it seems like they're always trying to save themselves a spot. And then as soon as the school that they're really trying to get to offers them, then they jump ship and go to them. Can, can you comment? Because it seems like it happens at Miami more than any other school. I mean, of course, schools get the commitments and everything, but it just seems like they – it happens here more often than not. Well, I, I think it happens everywhere. I think it, it, it's a little bit more pronounced down here in South Florida because of the volume of, of recruits. I mean, right now, if you look at the 2016 list, um, what does it matter? Are they up to 13 commits, I think? Um, um, I'll, I'll double check, but that sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's it's, it's a ballpark of 13. 12, 12. All right, 12 commits for, for 2016, and – you know, you look at, um, and, and I'll look it up while we're talking here, but, you know, if you look at Florida State, I think they have three, um, three or four. I, I think Alabama probably has three. Um, you know, most schools around the country don't have the same number of, of prospects who live in their local areas, so they're not going to take as as many early commits as, say, Miami will. Um, Florida State's got six. Um, four of the six are from the state of Florida. Um so, you know, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't think it's it's any more of a problem here than it is around the country. Okay. Um, other questions. Um, the quarterback situation, Torrance Gibson, you you, you kind of uh, touched on that a little bit. Um, it, do you think he's actually playing the game, or are we going to end up with somebody like Evan Sharif or whatever? Well, he's not playing a game, okay? I, I, I would have said, you know, four or five days ago, I would have said he's just going down there for a free dinner and, you know, a little vacation in, in Miami. Um, but from what I've been told by sources that are close to the situation, uh, it was a very serious recruiting visit. Um, he, he was very businesslike about it. He, he listened to James Coley's presentations uh, throughout the weekend and, and went home, believed to be seriously considering uh, Miami as an option. Now, is that enough to flip them at the end of the day here? We'll see on Wednesday. Nobody in that camp is talking. Uh, you know, Matt, myself, we've been pounding the phones like crazy, trying to get Mike Rumpf, trying to get um, Torrance on the phone uh, to no success. And, um, you know, so looks like we're going to have to wait till Wednesday to find out. Okay. Um, uh, my other main question is, why does the staff continually try and go out to these outside areas with Rasheem Greens and John Houston's and all these people all across the country, the, the state of New Jersey and everything like that? And then at the very – when they fail with all of that, which they always do, that we've seen for the last four years, then they start offering like five days out from National Signing Day 
all the local kids that, you know, it was their dream school in the first place to go to, you know, the Red Wines, the Fintons, the, all these people. Why, and they've done this the last four years. Like, why do they continually do that? Like, why not recruit these kids from the very beginning? Go ahead, Matt. You take that one. Yeah, I mean, well, in general, I've got a big issue with Miami's whole philosophy on how they are recruiting, and it, it is a problem. Um, they spend all the time in California. Last year, they got Brad Kai out of California, which is great, but um, they they spend an inordinate, inordinate amount of resources and energy and coaching visits going basically 12 hours round trip, you know, not including overnight stays, just in the travel alone where they could be recruiting local kids over that period of time. So, yeah, you're right. It's a major issue. They, exactly. they, I would take our three- and four-star kids from South Florida over, right. you know, all these well, other that's, four-star that's kids that they're recruiting. Well, that's where I'm getting to the philosophy aspect. So the philosophy aspect of the Miami Hurricanes and Al yeah. Golden is we're a national school. And in the old days, they could pull in a five-star from California, a five-star from Pennsylvania, a five-star from New Jersey, a five-star from Louisiana. They don't really get it. They still think that this is the same program and that they can get whoever they want. And they really can't. And that's why when you have two five-stars in California and they're spending all this time over there, they're not really understanding that they're third, they're fourth on these kids' lists. USC is going to get them. And it's just really not going to happen. They're sort of they, – they're taking their shots, which is great. Um, but, but the biggest problem they have right now, and in the old days, for those of you that followed recruiting for a while, Miami would bring those guys in, these guys who are from California, these guys who are five-stars, who, who really you've got to make that – you know, you know your third and what fourth. What was the last one we got? Like uh, Von Telemac, one well, big name kid no, that we got. Well, well Brad Kaya, but yeah, Brad they Kaya, don't. But, they're, yeah. they're not coming that often. You're you're right. Telemac was from there, but what I'm saying is, you need to bring those kids in for visits the weekend before signing day, because that's when you make that splash. That's when you're in their head. That's when you can really make them think. But but when you have these kids visiting in December, which is what happened um, with Houston and Green, I, I you know a month and a half later, you, you've got no chance. And the same thing, Miami yeah. made their big visit weekend this year, January 16th. They had almost nobody on campus this past weekend, which is unheard of in the in the previous coaches that have been here. I mean, the previous coaches that have been here, they want those top kids who are on the fence to come the weekend before signing day, and Miami either can't convince them to or doesn't um, doesn't want them to and just wants to have these big visit weekends in January, the middle of January to seal up their 18 commitments or whatever it might be they're going to wind up getting. And that's why you don't get these splashes on signing days that Miami fans love to have. Uh, so it's it's a problem in recruiting philosophy. It's a problem in overextending resources to me. And if if they really strike out in California this year, to me that's a major fail. And it, and it looks like that could be the case very easily. Well, yeah, we're, we're well let me let me just add to that. I I don't think there's a problem with with fishing around out of state. I I think Miami, when everything's right is supposed to be a national school and does have the capability of being a national school and but you know without question even in, in the ideal situation that you're going to you should be getting 3 quarters of your recruiting class um from the state of Miami uh so to speak every, every year and the problem they have right now is it, it goes back to you know the issue of is the coaching staff a strong enough recruiting staff that can go out there and win those battles and and I don't believe that they are I think it's been proven that they're not they do not win out on the road um, you know you you guys are absolutely right they're they're failing almost every single time um 
they'll you'll occasionally get you know James Coley will be able to pull a Brad Kaya, but for every Brad Kaya that they're getting, um, they're failing ten times in California. So you know it's it, it's tough right now, and um, until the program starts winning again, until they get some stronger recruiters on the staff, um, they're going to have a real difficult time winning those battles against top schools out on the road. And you don't go on the road unless you're recruiting the four and five star elite type of players. You shouldn't have to go on the road to get a three star out of Texas or something. Um, and, and that's part of the problem. And the reason it's a problem is because they're failing on so many of the local kids. And they're having to try to yeah, fill the roster. You're failing on three stars like Mohammed Barry and you know, stuff like that. You yeah, know, well, right. All but, the time and effort into this guy, and then Nebraska comes in like a week or later, and, and he totally just bombs us and goes there. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, and, and you're going, you know, you're going to Washington D.C. and Georgia to get your defensive backs when you've got at least eight, if not a dozen, elite defensive backs within 45 minutes of campus. You know, it's just it's it's flawed. Like Matt said, it's a bad. It, it's just it's a bad philosophy, and it's and it's not. It's just it's not working the way they're trying to do it. Yeah. All right. My question is, I mean, I followed Miami football for quite a long time. Maybe not as much into the the, the recruiting cycle, but have you ever seen a string of decommitments like this? I mean, it feels like we're at, in the teams like seventeen decommitments this year, or something like that. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't worry about that too much. A lot of the reason the numbers are so high is the the, the bigger issue is why are they taking so many commitments that they shouldn't be taking early? And you know, I don't have the list of decommitments in front of me, but a couple that come to mind um, that often. Offensive lineman from Miramar that they took a commitment from early. Um, they never should have taken that commitment. That kid was is is, is not a, shouldn't be a Miami level offensive line recruit. Um, there were one or two receivers that were taken early. Uh, the Emmony Spence kid from Flanagan High School in Pembroke Pines. Um, he shouldn't have been a Miami level recruit. Although I, I guess he's going to Louisville now. But um, you know they're they're just in some cases they're taking commit too many commits too early and that's why you know you're talking now having 12 commits before 2015 signing day for 2016 uh, to me might be a little too many um, you know I would be a little slower on the, on the trigger with with putting out offers to kids before you get the chance to go out in May and survey the entire landscape and get a, a really good feel for what what's out there and what might be available to you before you start committing kids into the class that you might want to lose four or five months later. Yeah, luckily that, I, that class doesn't look good. Can I, can I get one more question in? Um, with the Jordan Scholar decommitment, is it, is it a guarantee that Sam Bruce will follow suit? I mean, I know they want to play together. Yeah, but I don't think it is. You know, I don't. I don't think it is a guarantee. I, I think Sam Bruce is very capable of being his own man, and um, I think that one will be dependent on how the job that Miami does recruiting him over the next year. All righty, let me let some other people get on. Thank hey, you thank so you much for being part of the show. You got it. You too. All right. Um, we're going to go back to Tallahassee for our next call. You are now live on Kane Sport Live. Are you with us? Going once, twice, three times, you're out. Okay, let's go now to back to the 305. You're live on Kane Sport Live. 
You there? Going once, going twice. Come on, guys. If you're not coming on the show, don't tie up phone lines. Let's go to the 240. You're on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's going on, Gary? This is uh, D Black. Hey, what's up, D Black? How you doing this week? Hey, I'm all right, man. I'm all right. Um, just, you know, I'm just listening to, you know, past two callers and yourself. And, you know, I noticed you keep you kept mentioning that until we get some better recruiters on our staff. And that's true, but not just better recruiters, until we get better coaches. Because we can get five-star players in here, but if we don't have the coaches to coach them up and to develop them as players, it, it doesn't matter. Donald it usually goes hand-in-hand. Hand. Exactly. Okay, most, was most, of the good, most of the good coaches in college football are also good recruiters. Exactly. And, and, and we, don't have, we don't have many. And that starts from the top guys. Because I agree with you when you said you don't understand. Your, your whole issue is you don't understand how this individual is continually allowing the program to do what it's doing and not make any changes. So I'm not going to say his name because we all know who, who he is. Now, I, I know a person that knows Marcus Lewis's mother personally, and I keep telling him, like, tell her, you know, Miami's the place for him. I'm always going to love my Canes, Gary. I'm, I'm a Canes fan for life. I just don't like what's going on in recruiting and just with the program, Gary. It's depressing. It's depressing to see about 10 corners from South Florida leave the, leave the state of Florida and not one come to Miami. I was looking on the board today, and I saw, I don't know what, what poster it was, but he posted a list of all the corners. A lot of them were over six feet, a couple were 5'11", but they were all ballers, and none of them are coming to Miami. That's a problem. That's a huge a problem. problem. Wait, look, Ray Charles, and God bless his soul, can see that. Like, seriously. Like, if, if you can see it, Gary, I can see it. If the high school coaches in South Florida can see it and they're telling you and what they're saying, and I know it's getting over there to the head center, like, yo, we don't like Paul Williams. We don't like him, and as long as he's there, I'm not sending my DBs to your school to be coached by him. Wouldn't that make you reconsider and make you reevaluate things, Gary? That's like, okay, that's like you got you got your buddy Matt who does a great job. But you want to keep sending him to certain places to get stories, and they keep telling you, like, yo, we don't like Matt. So as long as you keep sending Matt to our establishment to try to get these stories, it's just you're never going to get it. For, fortunately, that's, very, that's, a very, that's a very bad analogy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not trying to take a shout at you, Matt, because I love what you do. You're awesome at what you do. I'm just trying to, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to make a point. It, it, it's like, okay, but then, well, let me reevaluate that. So the guy over there at the Hex Center is, I know you're hearing this from the high school coaches. I know you are. So you're okay with losing all that talent, all those, all, all those talented DBs? That could be in your at your school, building up your university, building up your defense. You're, you're okay with that base just because of your friendship with this coach or these coaches? I'm like, dude, you've never been in the top 25 as a coach, never as a head coach. Ever. Ever. 
what makes you think he's what makes you think he's gonna be able to recruit the best players here in South Florida? Well, that's the problem, and you're you're 100 percent spot on. I can't, and Matt can't. We we cannot explain why there has not been more action to correct this problem. But there wasn't any action to correct it, other than replacing Michael Barrow, who was a decent recruiter locally, with Tim Harris, who you're hoping will be a good recruiter locally. And that's not wasn't really making the situation significantly better. And you're seeing Tim Harris is struggling to get the recruits out of the high school where he coached. You know, right now, of the three kids, um, one's coming, one's not coming, and one is smack in the middle of the fence. And um, you're either going to get two of the three or you're going to get one of the three. And um, and that's at Booker T, you know, where you felt like you addressed that problem. So, you know, we we can't. We can't solve that tonight, okay? There's no explanation for it. It's a decision that Coach Golden made, and he's going to have to live with the results, and unfortunately, so are you. And um, (laughs) just see what happens, you know? I got got two more things. Probably just one, but I'm going to think about another one while you you answer this for me. It'll probably be quick for you, though. Uh, Do y'all foresee any surprises? When I say surprise on Saturday, as far as us getting somebody that we didn't think we would have gotten, that we weren't going to get? Go ahead, Matt. Uh, I don't think any big name. Like, if you're talking four- and five-star kids, no. But if you're talking a kid who maybe <clears throat> nobody's heard of yet, <laughs> nothing would surprise me at this point because right now Miami's got plenty of room in the class. There's nine players that they still hope or think they're going to get. Um, I mean, I could – run them off. I mean, from Shelton Johnson, Antonio Callaway, Marcus Lewis, Kendrick Norton, Sheldrick Redwine, Austrian Robinson, Kevin Scott, and Dexter Williams, but I'm including Evan Sharafs because all those guys, we're not going to know what's happening with any of them until Wednesday, and and Miami coaches, maybe they'll tell them they're coming, but that doesn't mean they're coming, because they may tell more than one coach that, like we just ran that story on Dexter Williams today. He's apparently telling coaches from two different schools that he's going there, so... You know, you don't know what to believe, and you don't know who Miami really has as their plan Z because they could be recruiting a kid off the grid. Um, You know, nobody, I don't think, that has an offer, but they could make a call on signing. They say, listen, you know, we got room. I mean, the Joe Brown came in late last year. You know, there are guys like that out there. Um, And and will Miami pull the trigger? Will they keep a few spots open for late signees at some point, guys who qualify late who are decent? Who knows? But nothing would surprise me, especially if they whiff on a lot of these guys that they think they might get. Oh, okay. All right. All right. That's cool. That, that's that's all I got, Gary, pretty much. Keep me on hold, please. Um, and you got it, man. Hey, thank you for being part of the show. All right, Gary. All right. 646-595-2048 is the number. Let's go now to 786. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. What's up, Gary? What's going on? Who's this? Joe. Oh, I like What's up, Joe? Guy. How you doing this evening? I'm good. I'm good. I guess I'm to the point where it's like, you know, no need of getting upset, no need of getting mad. Bottom line, it is what it is. I mean, as far as, like, with kids flip-flopping, this, and that, and the other, it's either you want to be a cane or you don't. And I agree with you cold-heartedly, 1,000%, as far as you offering kids a little too early before you've seen anything or before they've really got out and seen any other colleges or universities or whatever the case may be. 
Yeah, but you right. know, in some cases they're offering them too late. <laughs> I mean, they yeah, came I mean, in three. Exactly. I mean, that, that's, that's the, the point. The, the red line kid at Killian and the Fenton kid at Cal City, they waited until last week of recruiting. I I know it's just like I was reading on the um, Inside the You, a, a little article about the kid red wine. The guy says he's not flipping. You know, I mean, we wait till the tail end, the last minute, when it's pretty much game over. Pretty much kids already know where they're going. It's just like you said, pretty much a cat and mouse game of playing with grown people as far as, like, where you going. The one thing I do like is the kid, Scott Patrick. I, I'm, I'm with him. Either you in or you out. If you're not, you're not. If you in, you in. I mean, the flip-flopping and the back and forth, okay, I, I understand you. you when things come along, things change. You know, things subject to change at any moment, any given time, whatever the case may be. But it's just like we put in a, a lot of stock that I see, and, I, and I've heard other callers say the same thing. We, I, see, I notice we put a lot of stock in the players in New Jersey, a whole a lot of other places except here. Instead of us going all the way to get a kid from California. Why aren't we in Louisiana somewhere? Why aren't we in Texas? Well, they the are. They're is, in Louisiana. They, they were recruiting it's, receivers it's like, in Louisiana. Oh, oh, okay. It's like you recruiting a receiver. Okay. Yeah, in in on, fairness, man. the only Louis, thing they were recruiting they pretty much in Kuwait timeouts, the only thing they really were recruiting in California was defensive linemen. And there just aren't that many of those guys in Florida. You have to go around the country and try to get those. But this, that that I understand, Gary. But then that's the thing. Like I hear like the comparisons or whatever. The one thing I would say where there's no comparison as far as with Jimmy Johnson with coaching. The one thing about Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Johnson didn't care about the name. Jimmy Johnson just cared about whether you could play or not. That's it. It was if you could play, you want to fail. Point blank period. The recruiters, the coaches, and then I I, I really heard no callers say like as far as the recruit. I mean, the recruits or whatever, why they're not coming to the school. I mean, I haven't heard anybody say, how about the coaches? They don't want to play for the coaches or the system. I mean, it, it, it's like, just like you said, Gary, if you don't address the problem, the same problems, they're going to be there. They're going to stay there. They're not going nowhere. And it's like, it seems like we have a head coach that's just straight up, like really refusing to address anything. It's not personal. This is business. Bottom line, when the fans don't show up, you wonder why. You got to think, Gary, this is not your average. I mean, Miami is top-notch city. It's a million and one things to do, to do other than support a losing team. We all know how it goes, Gary. It's Miami. This ain't, it, this ain't the first time. It won't be the last. But we know how it goes. And from the looks of it, Gary, it looks like we're going to be stuck in the mud forever. And and, and it's just like I'm, I'm listening to y'all like with the five-star, the four-star. I look at it too. No five-star recruits. couple of four-star recruits. Man, we have so many three-star recruits. Not to say that they can't play, but damn, where's the elite talent? Well, I mean, where's the elite talent? I mean, this Miami. I mean, I, I'm, I'm quite sure you got people that want to come here and play. But when are we going to really start looking at, is it the coaches they don't want to play for? Is it the system? I mean, even with Al Golden, fair is fair. I, I, I've heard a couple of prior shows or whatever the case may be, Gary, where it was like this and that with Al Golden, but it was get rid of Randy Shannon. At least we would have had Bridgewater. We would have had a gang of recruits with Randy Shannon. And what's, what we getting now? The same exact thing. The same thing. And then it's just like this, Gary, at the end of the day, 
when they go to the press conferences, it's always the players' fault. Oh, they was freelancing. Oh, they not running the scheme right. They not doing this. They not doing that. When are you guys gonna say they just getting out coached? We getting out recruited. Just like the guy said with the back and forth with the Uncle Luke situation as far as the recruits. It's a hole in the fence. It needs to be fixed. Point blank period. It's a big hole in the fence in South Florida. It needs to be fixed. Gary, from the looks of it, we don't have no plans on fixing it or none of that. None of that. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I don't even get mad no more. Well, the same problem existed a year ago, and it clearly was not fixed. So there's, you know, <laughs> nobody could say that what you're saying is wrong. Let me ask you something, Gary. Do, do you honestly but, see? On a positive note, honestly, there will be 20, 22, 23 kids that will sign with Miami um, on Wednesday or who have already signed there in school. And uh, you just got to hope it's good enough to get some W's. I mean, I, I mean, the only thing that's really got my, my, my like, undivided attention is that guy. And that, that he's the guy, and we're just going to call him number 15. He's the guy. And that other guy, number 76. All right, they, 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 I feel like we have we have a couple of things in place to win. It's just about, like, you can win some games on talent, but what about the games you have to wear yourself to win? We don't – no adjustments, second half, no, no nothing. I mean, it's – it is what it is, but the only thing where I had a faith, Gary, is the guy, fifteen, that guy. <laughs> that's that's whenever he leaves you in, which is pretty much going to be in two years, number one overall pick. That's that's a junior Tom Brady, Gary. That's the guy. That's the only reason I can sit with a smile and like, damn, we got a chance. Anything is possible. All right. Because well, you sit with a guy. smile and listen to the rest of the show, and thank you for being part of it. Appreciate it, Gary. Keep me on hold. You got it. All right, 646-595-2048. Let's go out to the 757. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Well, well, well. Gary got a show back, man. I thought you were done until after recruit, buddy. Hey, we've been busy. Well, I see that. Y'all might be busy just as much as the staff been busy. Well, (laughs) I ain't got too much to say. Recruiting is recruiting, man. You know, everybody get caught up on these stars. As I said, I did some research with TCU and Bella the last four years. TCU only out-recruited us once. Bella never. It's just, to me, it's just, I don't think the kids buying into what he's saying anymore. That's all I can feel, that we lose kids like we lose them. But y'all know better than me. I'm just an outsider in Virginia Beach looking in on the website every day. Hope things get better. <laughs> Hope we can win. Don't, now, honestly, if I tell you I'm better, you see like, do I want to lose a season? That don't even go to be gone. So no, let the kids enjoy. It. Try to win because you know, recruited National Signing Day is supposed to be a, a happy day, a, a day yeah. when coaches and fans and everybody gets excited, and you put and a happy face goes go. on the class. And um, you know, but when you're at Miami and you slip in the number twenty-seven in the rankings, and and you're That's losing out on all the local kids, it's 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 going to be really tough to do that this year. And, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But let me uh, stop you for a minute. I'd like to let Matt comment a little bit here on on why, you know, Matt, you know, do you do you feel that the kids and and you talk to them a lot, obviously, are not responding to the message that they're getting from the coaches? 
Um, <clears throat> you know, Miami, to me, recruits as hard as anybody. What the problem is, is the results on the field. And really, you know, I don't like to blame, to blame the fans, but there's just a lot of negativity around the Miami area about the Miami Hurricanes right now. And if you think recruits in Miami and in Dade County, Broward, and even Palm Beach aren't hearing that, uh, you'd mm-hmm. be very, very wrong. And it's definitely affected Miami. Uh, six and I'm seven, here. Miami fans saying Al Golden should be fired. That does not help recruiting. That is a huge problem for recruiting for Al Golden. And that, in part, is why they've been really making an effort to go out of state. Now, there are some, obviously, in-state guys they should have recruited way earlier. That is too late now. But True. to me, it's just a confluence of, 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 of issues from from a defensive scheme that, that some think is just too difficult for college kids to really understand uh, with the amount of hours they're allotted, uh, just to some of the inconsistencies in the play and and the perception right now. So it's, it's just it's a little bit brutal out there uh, if you're um, – a Miami fan when it comes to recruiting, it's it's. Let me, tough. let me ask you. Let me ask you something, man. Y'all seem like y'all might be up there the same age as me, as four to seven. Now, as when we was coming up, no such thing as stars. Do y'all know when they started rating these kids? Cause somebody helped me. Cause I don't know. Remember? I don't. I can't remember when. I graduated in '86. We don't recall no rating stars. I don't know if it started in the '90s. Well, or well, now, 90s I'm, ra- I, I'm rated a five-star reporter, and that I got mm-hmm. that about ten years. I got that ten years ago. Okay. The, the rankings started no, in kidding. 2002. The ratings, the ratings came out, what, like, 20, like like 20 years ago, Gary? Is that what it was? Around this 15 years well, ago? Well, it's it's, it's 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 um it's it's yeah it's thir- it's uh, 12 years ago now um, on the internet. Now before then there were different recruiting services. It was more in magazines and things like that. But kids have been being rated right. for years. But but the process has become a lot more in depth and it became a lot more sophisticated when the internet came into the equation and people were able to move these things online and the audiences got bigger and the resources going into That's it got true. bigger. I mean, you look at what we do with rivals right now, and and we're obviously part of it. Um, you know, we have camps all over the country year-round. And um, once we get through this recruiting cycle, we're getting ready to start um, a series of, of rivals camps um, in, in every corner of America. And one of them is going to be in Miami on, on March 8th. And um, we, we get the chance to, to, to get up close with these kids and, and, and really do much better evaluations than have ever been done um, on high school players coming out. So, you know, I, I think that's a lot of it. I think the whole the whole thing has changed. I think that um, the capability of, of getting better and more accurate uh, rankings on kids has changed, and um, and that's why you're seeing what you're seeing. Well, see, we were talking about that on European day, how they got like signing day. Back in the day, you just signed going about your business, but Saturday is a big ritual now, like you said. People take off from work. People got their phones and everybody going to be ready. I'm going to have my phone set 8 a.m. at school. They don't know it. I'm watching because I want to see where, who's going where, what Miami's going to get, of course. But it's a big, it's, like a, it's almost like the Super Bowl or the NCAA tournament. It's a big, big day. And with the Scarlet situation, I think it's more so the media has given these kids the power. It's just like with the AAUs and stuff. These kids play AAU. And then, you know, as they get older, as John Thompson said one time, he used to tell kids, get your education. And he said, no, they promote me out as a kid. Get your money. Then get your education. I thought I'd never hear John Thompson say that. But when they had that roundtable a couple of years ago, he's like, if the media is going to start working on y'all as a kid, y'all might as well get something back from the media. 
So what Scarlet might have did, lead people on, get yeah, wrong in some aspect, but the media don't help the situation at all. And, you know, the new era, which we live in, like if it computers, cell phones, tweet, I can tweet, I'm going here, that, it gets old. And I know y'all feel the same way. Yeah, to, oh, a, to okay. a degree. All right. Hey, thank you for being part of it. You know, just to clarify what I was just talking about, you know, starting February the 22nd, we'll be having camps and, um, you know, it'll we'll go from Las Vegas, um, then down to Miami, up to Atlanta, to Dallas, Richmond, Virginia, Charlotte, uh, into New Jersey, Ohio, Missouri, California. And then um, along the way, we'll have combines in Arizona, San Diego, Austin, Texas, Birmingham, Nashville, Tampa, uh, Indianapolis, St. Louis, Denver, Detroit, Baltimore, um, and also visit the Dallas area and the Cincinnati area, um, the Orlando area, and the Houston area. So by the time that we get done with all those camps and combines in mid to late May, we pretty much will have seen every top player in America. And then what we do is we invite the top 125, 150 or so to Baltimore for a weekend in June and bring them together and pit them in competition with each other. So the top wide receivers are going against the top cornerbacks and the top offensive linemen are going against the top defensive linemen. And by the time we're done in the middle of June with this entire process, um, we've had the opportunity, and by we I mean collectively ourselves and, and the rivals team, have had the chance to see the best players in the country up close in competition, um, and that allows us to get a pretty darn good feel uh, of who can play and who can't play, and um, so I think that the star ratings that you guys get today um, as subscribers to Kane Sport, uh, without question have the most integrity um, of any rankings um, that really have taken place in the, in the history of the business. All right, 646-595-2048 is the number. Let's go out now to the 678, where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Hello. Are you listening to us? Are you listening to the show on, online? All right, you're going to have to call back. Sorry about that. All right, let's try the uh, 240. You're now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, what's up, Gary? You, I was, this is D Black. Just, I was already on. Put me back on hold, please. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm hitting. Boy, I'm, uh, I'm losing my mind here. I'm hitting buttons all over the place. Let's go to the 404. You are now on Kane Sport Live. You with us? Going once, going twice. Guys, please. Uh, I know everyone wants to listen to the show tonight. It's a recruiting show. Obviously, a lot of interest. But, you know, lots of ways you can listen to it on your phone. You can listen to it online. Uh, please do not tie up phone lines if you are not going to come on the show. Let's go out to the 863. You are now live on Game Sport Live. Hey, Gary. How you doing? Doing good. Who's this? This is Jefferson. I'm giving you a call from Georgia, Lawrenceville, Georgia. All right. I'm rich. I'm originally from Miami, born and raised in Miami. I had a cousin that played football at University of Miami, Kenny Johnson, the blocking back for O.J. Anderson. Yep, I remember Kenny. Back in the back in the day, played with Eddie Brown and all those guys. Yep. I'm I'm up here looking at, looking in that hole in the fence there down in South Florida, and I know <laughs> it used to be from Orlando on down the state of Miami. And I know that you can assemble a lot of high school players from Day, Broward, and Palm Beach County 
that can win you multiple national championships. Butch Davis already proved that. Um, Snellenberger proved that when he came to Miami. We're going to recruit at home. Now, you may not get your defensive tackles out of the state of Florida. A lot of, Not a lot of them, but some of them you can. And I don't think me personally, because I – well, let me, let, me, let, me, let me go here. I drove from Georgia to Miami to watch Florida State and Miami play. We left the game when Davin Cook ran that, I guess it was a 44-yard touchdown run, a guy from Miami Central. Yep. And, I mean, it was, it was embarrassing to be in the stands and Miami have the lead only to let it slip away. Oh, all the kids making plays in that game were South Florida kids. We have, I mean, we have a, a, a million players in the state of Florida that can, that can win you multiple national championships. I watched Ticolo on TV a week or so ago, and he was talking about the scheme. I mean, I love Florida football. I love Miami football, Florida State, Georgia. I mean, Florida. But I'm a diehard Hurricane fan. And my thing is, is that it's not getting done. The scheme is part of what the coaching staff is putting out. So you need to change the scheme. You need to change the coaching staff. The kid that's up here in Georgia, that's up in Jefferson County, it's right next to where I work at Gainesville, Florida. Gainesville, Florida. Georgia, U, uh, University of Georgia is right next door to the Athens. Georgia isn't recruiting this guy, so what, so there, there must be an issue. Is the guy coming well, from small school because Georgia is right next to that? They're getting the top quarterback. Georgia is right next to that guy. Huh? No, but they're, the reason that they're not they didn't, they probably didn't recruit this kid in Georgia is that they're getting the top quarterback in the country from the West Coast. Right, right, okay. So they okay. didn't have a need to recruit that kid. And, and and how many people get into Jefferson, Georgia to recruit? Not many. Not a whole lot because Jefferson is a very small, right. small And Georgia town. Tech's not recruiting a drop-back quarterback. So no. he, he slid, he's, he's, he's under the radar. But if you watch his film, no. he's not bad. No, and and, and I, I think, uh, you know, I'll, I'll – my life-saving thing right now, because I, I talk about Miami football 24-7, and anybody who want to listen, I'm at work. I'm the only guy with a hurricane hat on, and everybody else is wearing Georgia hats and Georgia Tech hats um, at work. I think once, uh, if we don't do better than what we're doing right now, and, and when, when Kaida Messiah leaves, it's, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. I mean, Jordan Scarlett, man, I was hurt this morning when I got up and read that. That broke my heart. A kid from home. Now I'm saying I hope Walton don't leave. Dexter Williams, another kid from from Orlando, and and I, I don't think Gus 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 is Gus the bus is the answer. Well, so I mean I don't know. I don't know why you say that. I mean, we can have we can he, save he, this he argument for later. I want us to keep it to recruiting tonight. But I mean, uh-huh. Gus looked very good late in the season this year. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any issues with Gus being a very productive player next year. But, again, let's save that for another show. you have anything else you want to talk about regarding recruiting okay, tonight? No, 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 that's it. I'm just I'm – just, you know what? I, I traveled to Miami to watch the games, and um, I, I'm, I'm hurt right now um, just because the way things are going down in Miami um, and the recruits are defecting. Um, I mean, they're, they're defecting by the hours. 
and I, I hope we maintain the class that we have in tech right now, and we're able to get some some support in. Um, but I, I'm, I'm going to go back to what one guy said earlier. I think Miami needs to just focus on recruiting the state of Florida first. Get them guys. I mean, you got all those guys, Miami Killian High School, Miami Jackson, Central, Northwestern, Booker T. Washington, Palmetto, all those high schools around you, and you cannot recruit them, them guys at home. Miami three-star ball players, two-star and three-star ball players, are better than five-star ball players out of the state. You got to do a better job of it, no question. All right, let me um, let me let some other people get on. Thank you so much for being part of the show tonight. All right, thank you so much. You got it. All right, six four six five nine five two zero four eight. Let's go out now to the five one zero. You're on Kane Sport Live with Gary Furman and Matt Shodell. Hi, Gary. This is Oaktown Kane. Uh, first of all, I got a bone to pick with you because you were talking about earlier about the kids playing games and all of that. I think if you really look at college football in the last three or four, maybe five years, it's been the college recruiting recruiters who's been going around trying to flip the kids. And the kids are 15, I mean, 16, 17 years old, so their level of maturity might not be where it should be as an adult. And they're being manipulated in some capacity by True. a recruiter. But the other part of that component is, is when you said that we're not getting any of these recruits. I live here in California. If I'm hearing about what's going on in Miami, what do you think the kids, the coaches, and the families are hearing? They want to go to a location where they're going to be get an opportunity to play. You just don't know how frustrating it is for me for about the last four or five years. I get up at 6 o'clock here in the morning, West Coast time, so I can see who signed with Miami. This Wednesday morning, I'm not getting up at 6 o'clock because, I mean, I'm frustrated with this whole process. And the thing, and I think more than anything else, if you look back with everybody and its cousin indicating that Al Golden needs to make some adjustments, need to make some changes in the coaching, and none of that has transpired, how does that translate to a kid and its family, the high school coach, and the player itself? when they're seeing no changes are made, and in their minds they're looking at it as status quo. And so if I'm an 18-year-old kid and i got an opportunity to go to a school that's going to give me an opportunity to showcase my talent, I'm not sure if I want to go to a school that the people seem to be asleep at the wheel. Okay? And so I think in a lot of capacities, I'm going to be just, you know, just be brutally honest, at times I think that you've kind of like, walk the middle of the line when you're dealing with Al Golden because Al Golden is pure garbage. He's like a it's this toxic. And to sit there and say where the kids this and this, that and the other, you know, I remember talking to you earlier in the year and indicating to you that I thought the guy was extremely stubborn and he was stuck in his ways. I would hope that someone would be able to pull him to the side and say, Hey Al, we need to do some things. He might surprise all of us between now and the beginning of the year. I don't know what's going on in the Miami area right now, but I know it has nothing has come on the horizon. And it's extremely frustrating for me and millions of others who are diehard Kane fans. Okay? That's all I got to say. Thank you. All right, man. Hey, thank you for being part of the show. 
Hey, hey, Matt, I don't, you know, there's one thing that I, I don't get, and, and, you know, I understand, obviously, and I know you do, the frustration of the fans, and, you know, it's been a 10, 11 years of, of just total misery from Miami fans, but I don't understand this concept where they expect us to go take all their anger into interviews and press conferences with Coach Golden, and I'm not sure what they think that that would accomplish. Um, yeah. You know, we, as reporters, you're trying to get information. You're not trying to tell them how to do their job. You know, that's not really our job <laughs> to tell them what to do or how bad they're doing. It's more to get information about the team out to the fans. I mean, that's our job. But I, I understand everyone's angry. Um, but us saying, Allie's doing a terrible job, that's, you know, that's not really going to be phrased very well as a question. It's not really going to get us much information about the team. And it's, um, just doesn't serve any purpose, really, from a reporting standpoint, unfortunately, for fans who want us to <laughs> tell him how bad he's doing. Yeah, I find it funny. You know, it, it's like I, I was fortunate enough to get that one-on-one interview with Coach Golden a few weeks ago, and, um, you know, a lot of people didn't think I went hard enough on him, but it, it, it's not my place to go to him and say, you know, hey, you know, <laughs> You know why? Why you know why do you suck so bad? Why are you why are you doing such a horrible job? You know where is that going to take the interview and 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 what what kind of response is that going to elicit? It's not going to elicit any response. It's going to be it's screw you goodbye. And you know it's like I went into that interview you know looking to do a comprehensive look with the head coach of what was on his mind and give people a, a very clear precise picture. Of of why he's operating the way he is and what he's thinking, and I think you got that. You know, I, I I think you got to see how positive of a thinker he is and how much he believes in what he's doing. And you know, I think the other element that comes into play w- w- with Coach Golden is is his loyalty. And you know, him and Mark D'Onofrio are our best buddies going back twenty some odd years. And um, they came down here, and, and Mark D'Onofrio could have been the head coach at Temple and opted not to be the head coach at Temple to come down here with Al Golden and try to see if they could take the next step in their careers at Miami. And they got enormous pay raises. It was a, it was a phenomenal business move for them. And they're finding a lot of struggles down here, and maybe it wasn't a good fit. But I think it's pretty obvious that he's not taking his best buddy and his business partner, so to speak, and putting him out of work on the street. And, um, you know, if, if, if they're going to go down, they're going to go down together. And uh, the Miami administration made a decision that they felt, because of everything that Al Golden had been through, that he deserves the next football season. You've got a, a president that's retiring who – you know, did not want to make a move like that before she left, and um, and that's the situation, and that's reality. And 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 Matt and myself, you know, going into a press conference, um, you know, calling people out and 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 you know, making outrageous statements and 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 put, trying to push Coach Golden against the wall. Um, you know, why he's not firing coaches? I mean, he'll be asked it. Trust me, he will be asked on Wednesday. Why did you not make staff changes? And he will have an answer ready for that question. I, I feel pretty sure of that. And it's probably going to be because I believe in what we're doing and we feel that we can get this done here. And yeah, most of the, uh, of the people outside of that circle aren't going to buy into it. And, and the results of the 2015 season are going to speak for themselves. But you know, the bottom line is whether it's Matt, myself, it's not our role to take the, the anger of the fan 
into interview situations and press conference situations. It would accomplish absolutely nothing. Um, the end result that, you, that some of you guys are looking for, um, the outlet for your anger, um, that's not what you would find if, if that were the situation. So what I would say is trust our judgment. Um, you know, I, I, I think there's ways to ask questions. I think we, we, we find those ways, and I, and I understand that people don't always like the answers, um, but that's just the situation. And with that, let's go out now to the 515. You're now on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. Who's this? Eric? Yes, sir. This is Skibby Skibby. Hey, what's up, Skibby? How you doing tonight? Oh, pretty good. How about yourself? We're hanging in there. We're we're grinding away for you guys, trying to see what we can find out for you. Well, I was going to say, uh, the first thing I wanted to say was uh, this is the first year that I've followed recruiting on multiple sites. And one thing that I've found on some of the other sites is the quality of information is significantly lower in that some of these other site moderators are putting out information without confirming it and you know kids are getting getting reported that kids are getting offers or kids are committing and you know it turns out Miami never actually offered them so appreciate the fact that you guys aren't you know jumping on that stuff a great example of that was the the whole Ira Denson thing that popped up and immediately got squashed there was another one today, some some Horton kid out in California was was reported to have been offered by Miami, which was totally bogus. Yeah, yeah, that was laughable. And Skibby, um, I, appreci- I appreciate you uh, taking the time to call in when, obviously, you, you're on the message boards posting all the time. I don't know how you had time to, to call in with all your message board posting, but that's nice of you to, to take the time out to talk to us instead of just posting stuff on the board. <laughs> I, uh, I no, you're a prolific poster. I like your posts. I, I haven't posted for the last couple hours. I, I, see, I, I already <laughs> looked at the board. You posted recently. Did I? Yeah, and the, <laughs> maybe someone else is doing it for you. I have uh, multiple see. Well, I guess you started you started the threads, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I started. So, what you got tonight, Skibby? Well, uh, you know, first on the on the Jordan Scarlet thing, I'm I'm in total agreement with you. I'm I'm not going to bash a kid on, or whatever you know whatever he did. He made a choice for himself. You know, I agree. I don't really like the way that he did it. I guess you know, latest thing that got posted on the board is that you know his mom made some ridiculous statement or a stepmom or something like that. But it doesn't sound like it's a good situation. But one thing I, I will say is uh, one, I feel like we only needed one running back in this class. I, I feel like two was a luxury. We had significantly greater needs, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, would I have loved to have landed Walton and Scarlett? Yes. But I firmly believe that of the four backs that we had committed at one point in time, Walton is hands down the best running back. Um so you know, I, I I don't I don't know. I mean, everybody. I think everybody is upset because you know we lost the kid. Thank God we didn't lose him to Florida State because then it would have been an even bigger meltdown. But um, I mean, at least we got Walton. You know, the number sixty-one rated recruit in the entire country. Um, so I feel like people need to you know be happy with that because that kid is all cane and he's got some serious dog in him. So I'm excited for that. Uh, what the one question that I have for you guys is for, on 
Tyree St. Louis. So you guys have said, you know, you talked to him. He said he wants to be a cane. I feel like there's no way this kid's going to um, flip on us on National Signing Day, given that, you know, he's so close with Patchen and fines. But it seems like Florida is awfully confident that they're going to land him. Do you guys have any sense on what might be causing them to feel so confident about that? Go ahead, Matt. Um, yeah, what we talked about earlier, you know, these kids have, for instance, he just went to visit, and he had a great visit, and he told coaches he loved it there, and this, that's the other thing. I mean, you have to remember, these, these, these last-second visits can have an impact, and they saw how much this kid loved Florida. Now, I don't know where this, you know, you always hear this, oh, Florida people are saying this. It's some, some moderator on a message board who's here in third hand that, you know, that St. Louis loved his Florida visit. We got a great shot at getting him from Miami. Okay, that's great. But Tyree, I, I've, I mean, I've developed a good rapport with him. I've, I've talked to him twice now, yesterday and today, after various reports keep coming out like this, and he keeps saying, I'm signing with Miami. I'm signing with Miami. So I don't know what else to tell anybody except for the fact he's telling us, and he's, I'm sure he's telling UM coaches the same thing, that he's signing with Miami. If Florida wants to keep saying he's going there, they can talk all they want, but you know, unless the kid's just outright playing UM, and he specifically has, has sent out tweets saying he's not going to do that, and sent a message that he's not going to do that. He doesn't want to keep Miami on the hook. So it makes no sense, given everything he said publicly via that, that he doesn't want to leave Miami on the hook and, and deport the class at the 11th hour, plus telling us that he's coming. I don't know why these rumors are still out there, but they are, and just, you know, I'm not worried about him, personally. I'm a lot more worried about Terrell Chapman than I am Tyree St. Louis, you know, in terms of somebody who might leave the class, for instance. Yeah, I'll second that one. So so would you say that, that Tyree's getting about as annoyed with you asking him the same question as Calvin Ridley was getting about you asking <laughs> no, him? No, no, no. Calvin, <laughs> Calvin was at a whole different level of, of uh, annoyance, apparently. But, no, Tyree's a really nice kid, a really good guy. <laughs> um, Gary, so you have mentioned uh, Marcus Lewis and, you know, that right now the biggest hurdle for him signing with Miami is – his mom. Do you can you give us any insight into you know what it is that is causing him his mom to have reservations about that, or is that too sensitive information? Um, at this not, point? not really. Um, you know, there's there's sometimes you got to draw a line in this thing, and 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 you know I, I wouldn't want to go too deep into it because it's here a lot of it's hearsay and things like that. But um, the bottom line is Marcus Lewis has been in regular contact with uh, multiple players presently on the Miami roster. Um, He has expressed his interest in in being a Hurricane. Um, I spoke to him as far back as the Under Armour game. Well, we've been obviously covering him all along, but I was face-to-face with him at the Under Armour game and had a long conversation with him, and I I got a very strong impression he wanted to go to Miami. Um, He's been giving that impression on multiple times since then. And... um, you know the, this um, this this situation with Kentucky has always been there, but it's gotten a little stronger here in, in the last week. And uh, there has been some speculation that his mom wants him to go to Kentucky, uh, but we believe Miami's you know kind of come back in a little bit here um, and made a move back in in that direction in the last day or a couple days. So you know we'll see. I mean he's pushed his his announcement back. He was supposed to announce tomorrow. Now we're hearing he's going to announce Wednesday, and not even first thing in the morning. Maybe Wednesday afternoon kind of wants to survey the landscape a little bit see what kids are signing where and things like that um so we'll see what he does 
So you, you guys have mentioned, you know, well, Matt, I think you were talking about, uh, you know, kind of wondering about the coach's strategy as it relates to when they're bringing these kids in on official visits. Um, you know, I'd add one more thing to it. and When they're choosing to do, you know, their big in-home visit, you know, with, with Marcus Lewis, for example, you know, he had, he had, um, you know, almost the entire Kentucky coaching staff over at his place last week. Um, you know, Miami had already spent their, their head coach visit, you know, is this a type of thing where, you know, would Miami have benefited, you know, from from having, you know, Golden being home with him last Friday instead of, you know, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, whenever it was? I mean, is this the type of thing that – I mean, it's just like, why are they doing that? Why are they letting these other coaches be the last, you know, the last face in front of the kid and his mom? Yeah, my, like I said, Miami's whole philosophy is just so different than what I've always seen at Miami in the past, you know, doing this since – really 2000, 2001, uh, they, Miami's philosophy is let's wrap these kids up by the middle of January so nobody else will recruit them anymore. You know, they'll commit to us, we'll have them, no one else can try to sway them, you know, instead of this kid's going to be someone who comes down to the very end and we need to be the last face he sees. That's not their philosophy. So, again, it's a matter of philosophy. They're, they're trying to wrap kids up and know exactly what their class looks like in the middle of January, which, look, that. In a perfect world, that's what you want. You know, if you're the number one school in the country and everyone wants to go to your school, that's what you want. You want it. That's what an early signing day basically is. You know, they're having. If you have everyone that that you want in your class committed by January 16th, you have your own personal early signing period. You know, but that's not the real world. But this is the world that Al Golden wants at Miami, and it's the it's the it's the world that he and his coaching staff are trying to develop at Miami. It just doesn't seem to work. Yeah, I mean, you know, and let me just, let me say this: you can't you can't be the last visit on every recruit. I mean, that's not that's not reality. Uh, I think, especially when you're going on the road, and in this case, you know, you're talking about a kid in Washington D.C. Um, you can't always time it to where you get the last word. I I think Marcus Lewis is a kid that the coaching staff has felt pretty good about for a while. Um, maybe didn't feel the need to be the last face in front of him. Um, I, I think that there's been a lot of reasons why they would have believed in the last month that he was going to be in this class. So, you know, I, I, look, you can you can criticize these guys for a lot of things, and 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 it's target practice right now for everybody. But in, in this case, I don't I don't think you can criticize not being the last the last face in front of Marcus Lewis. Well, Gary, and, and they're on open calls right now, Skippy. Trust me, all the coaches are they're 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 beating down the phone lines right now. They can call these kids unlimited today and tomorrow. So there, there's not going to be any issues with Miami not getting their message through to any of these kids. Yeah, I don't I don't want it to sound like I'm, I'm criticizing. It's more just you know trying to understand the you know the philosophy, which you know, I think what Matt described makes a lot of sense. You know, in a, in a situation, though, where, you know, all these other schools have so much ammo, you know, they can load up the guns against you with, with the negative recruiting. Um, you know, it's tough to, to lock a kid down in January and then, you know, hope that him getting bombarded by 15 other head coaches about, you know, how many poor decisions you've made. Um, it's, it's tough to get a kid to stick around, but... Um, the last thing I wanted to ask you guys was just kind of as it relates to how the the current players on the team, you know, act as it as it relates to recruiting. I know you mentioned that Marcus Lewis has been in contact with some current players. It seems like at least for the last few years, 
we haven't had like, a huge recruiting presence as it relates to, you know, the guys on the team. It just doesn't seem like they've been, you know, actively involved in really trying to get, you know, convince kids to come to school. You know, now we've got Brad Kaya, who is, you know, everybody out there saying, you know, he's he's taken a, a huge role in recruiting. We even have, you know, Lawrence Cager, who's calling himself Coach Cager now, who's taken a huge uh, role in recruiting, which is, I mean, great. That kid came out of nowhere. I mean, I had no idea that Miami was even recruiting him. Now he's, you know, now he's, like, he's he's just another coach out there. He's, he's contacting everybody trying to get him to come to Miami. Are recruiting we, is crazy, we, Skibby. It's crazy. Are we starting to see uh, more kids on the team taking an active role in that? Is that something that needs to needs to um, needs to pick up? Am I way off base there, or or does it seem that that way to you guys? For a while, we just haven't had these kids on the team trying to you know take ownership of, of getting these elite elite players, especially from Miami, to come to play with them. Well, I guess I'll yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that 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 that's always been the case in recruiting, where you count on guys who are in the recruiting class or guys that are on the existing team to help you recruit other kids. I mean, you know, that, that's been going on and since, since recruiting started decades ago. Um, so it, it's not unusual. I, I think it's, it's maybe a little bit more high profile now because of all the coverage that we're giving on recruiting. Yeah. It's just, you know, for example, you know, I love, I love Duke Johnson, but you know, never once did I hear a story of, you know, Duke Johnson trying to take some, you know, some high school kids under his wing and really trying to get them, get them to come to Miami like you're hearing with Brad Kaya now. Well, I'm not sure you're actually allowed. I'm not sure that unless you have a pre-existing relationship that, that Hurricane players are allowed to call recruits. I don't think they are, actually. So Brad Kaya is recruiting kids. You're hearing about it because he's recruiting them while they're on campus. But you're not allowed to have a, a coach call in 10 players and say, here, make, call all these recruits for me. That's against NCAA rules. So... There's no school that does that um, unless they want to break the rules. But if you have a pre-existing relationship, if you're a friend with a kid, um, that's different, you know. And certainly if you're a current recruit like Lawrence Cager, you can call anybody you want, you know. I mean, you can call every single recruit in the book and say, come join the class with me and this and that the other thing. Um, but I think what you're saying, like Duke Johnson and stuff like that, they, they, I'm pretty sure they're not allowed to just call a whole list of recruits and, and try to get them to come to Miami. I, I don't think yeah. that's allowed by NCAA rules. Couldn't, couldn't somebody argue that, you know, Duke probably knows, you know, probably knows 90% of these kids anyways, you know, having played with them and, you know, seven on seven or, you know, uh, Pop Warner or whatever growing up. I mean, you know, it could be argued that, that these guys, at least the guys from Miami, have, have pre-existing relationships with the other guys from Miami. But I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Anyway, well, that's all. that's all I had. You want to put me back All right, Skibby, um, thank you for coming on and interviewing us. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll move on and let you get back to posting. <laughs> <laughs> put me on hold. Thanks. All right, Skibby. The infamous Skibby Skibby taking a few moments from his chronic posting on the message boards to come on Kane Sport Live. Um, let's go out now to the 954, where you are now on Kane Sport Live. Gary, what's going on, man? Who's this? Hello? It's Nick. Yeah, who's this? Um, it's Nick. What's going on? All right, Nick, what you got? Um, I mean, pretty busy. I've been on hold for about two hours. 
just college student trying to do my homework. I can't do my homework because I'm trying to get some information on recruiting. Um, I see everyone already talked about Scarlett, Walton, Gibson. Um, I just want to put my few thoughts in real quick. And honestly, people are probably going to give me give me a, give me me crap. But honestly, Scarlett, I, don't, I really don't even think it's a big blow. I mean, the kid, the kid obviously didn't know where he wanted to do. I mean, the kid committed to FAU out of all places because of his head coach. And he committed to Miami. And he committed to Florida. I mean, obviously, there's other reasons. Obviously, you know, his personal life. You know, he has a girlfriend that goes to Florida, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but, I mean, the kid, since freshman year, he was a baller. He was always getting, he was getting big offers his freshman year. Um, but, I mean, the more I study his film, I mean, he has all the tools. I think, I think Jordan Scarlett has all the tools to become the number one back in 2015 class. Um, but I just think that it's essential for a running back to have some dog in him and to have patience and vision. And that's why I'm really excited about Mark Walton. If we lost Mark Walton, I would freak out. Um, I think Mark Walton's going to not only be a number three back, I think he will be a backup running back for the Hurricanes when we start the season. Um, I mean, I think Golden is going to let Gus Edwards and Yearby um, start at first. But Walton's going to earn that spot. The kid, the kid reclassified. The kid works hard. The kid's a baller. Um, as for Torrance Gibson, I really hope we get Torrance Gibson because I really do want to build a pipeline through American Heritage. Um, that's all, that's honestly the only reason I want to uh, get Gibson. And we could do some, you know, packaging like you said. But you, I know you said I know you said Gibson is taking Miami really seriously. But like deep down, Gary, when you talk to these kids, you get an intuition. What's your feel on Gibson? How do you feel about that? Well, we haven't been able to talk to him. He's not talking. He's not talking. And neither is his coach. So it's a complete unknown right now. So that pretty much means he's going to Ohio State. So that's, that's Well, probably, that's but, I mean, he's committed to Ohio State. He probably is going to Ohio State. But the one thing that we do know is that he was very serious about the visit. It was not a joke. It wasn't a vacation. You know, he was very serious about exploring what opportunities he would have at Miami. And, you know, James Coley spent a lot of time laying out the plan. I mean, honestly, Gibson, I would love to have Gibson. Um, as for the signing day, I really just – everyone's so negative. You know, everyone's negative and we're not getting these players, we're not getting these players. But would you consider it a positive day if we get in Norton, Galloway, and Lewis? Do you consider that a positive signing day? Of course. Those are three key guys to the class. You know, they're not five-star players, but they're very key uh, guys to the class. Lewis is is, uh, is, is one of the better cornerbacks out there, a uh, kid that rivals rated four stars after a lot of evaluation. Um, Norton is a, is a really good-looking line prospect. I, I watched him a lot at the Under Armour game, and I, I, I thought he was very athletic for a big guy and, and, and a very motivated kid. And uh, without question, you know, whether he ends up being a defensive lineman, which is where he's projected right now, or I like the way he looked as an offensive lineman too. I, I, I think that he can be a very good player on the college level, and that's why Auburn's recruiting him also. Um, Callaway is a speed receiver. Um, one of the faster guys in Dade County this year and, you know, is a very high priority for Miami. So, sure, it's important they get those three kids. Yeah. I mean, I studied all their film. I mean, Kendrick, I mean, Norton, he's a, he's a great prospect. I mean, I, I see he's mean. I remember you saying that, too, before. I see that he's mean. Galloway, I like. He could be a great slot receiver. 
But to go on to the 2016 class, and I know it's kind of ahead, but do you think these kids that are committing for the 2016 class, do you think they're just committing to get us to 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 because I to get a spot in? And just in case they ever get injured, they still have that scholarship. I I think they're reserving a spot. What do you think, Matt? Uh, I think that Miami coaches are pushing too hard for these early commitments. You know, they go into Al Golden's office when they have three, four, five, you know, offers at the time as as high school um, sophomores or juniors, uh, early junior years type stuff, and they walk in his office and it's all impressive, and they just had a great time on campus for a junior day, for example. And Al Golden sits there and says, "Do you want to be a hurricane?" And, of course, the kid says yes, and that's considered a commitment. And, you know, in the old days, you know, Miami coaches would would realize, hey, wait for the kid to come to me. He knows he has a Miami offer. When he wants to take it, he'll say, hey, coach, I'm calling you. I'm ready to commit. And that's, like, to me, a real commitment. But you sitting there saying, do you want to commit to me after a day like that and feeding the kid? And he says, sure, I'll be a hurricane. That's always, to me, going to be a very, very soft commitment. And, you know, I just I wish they'd go back to just, you know, making sure they got these kids early on that really want to be coming in the class instead of having all these decommitments come just, uh, you know, months later. I mean, yeah, we got got four commitments on junior day. And what is – are you confident that these four commitments are going to stay? I want to know from your opinion, at these four, Amir Rasul, JoJo Jackson, Cedric Wright, and uh, the D tackle camp. Do you think every, they're going to Every single one of them already said that they're not solid commitments. <laughs> I don't have to guess. I mean, no, they're not. No, I'm not confident. Not one so, of them so said it's a done deal. I mean, Golden. Golden. I, I try to support Golden. I really do, and I, it, it sucks. But the guy literally has no awareness. Like he literally has no awareness down in South Florida. He doesn't know how to speak to these kids. These kids, it's a different lingo down there. He doesn't know that. Him and Paul Williams, they don't know that. And, and D'Onofrio, and, and it sucks. But he's taking commitments from these juniors, which I would love, but they're probably going to decommit, probably two of them. I think I think, I think, think the Gulliver Prep boys, the only reason why they stay is because of Jorge Baez, who was the one to coach there. And, I, and I'm yeah. excited that we're building a pipeline through there because I posted earlier today about this kid, Robert Burns. I watched his highlight tape today. The kid is a stud. I think everyone should look out for this kid because this kid is gonna be a future. He's the next. He's the next Duke Johnson. Go. Every, every, if everyone could look at his highlight tape, he's the next Duke Johnson. He's a stud. He's a stud. But I'm really excited that we're building through Gulliver Prep. I mean, if we can, if we can, if Golden can make a move after signing day, because obviously he's not making a move before signing day, um, that'd be excellent. If we can land these uh, next commits, that'd be great. But I mean, pretty much, Gary. Everyone's talked about everything. And uh, I appreciate you having me on. I just wanted to get on and get, give my uh, my page. No problem. Thank you for being part of the show. Yep. All right. Let's shoot out to the West Coast, the state of California, where the Hurricanes have been doing an awful lot of recruiting uh, this year. Let's go out to the 949. You're now on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. Uh, I want you to pretend uh... – you're the coaching staff. I want you to. What, what does Miami have to sell? I mean, what well, what can Al Golden? What does Miami have to sell right now? Well, it's got a lot to sell. I mean, you know, you, you, you fly into if you're a recruit from out of town, you fly into South Florida, you see, 
you know the, the, the beautiful city with the with the water and the beaches and and okay. you know well, that, that, South Beach. Whoa, well, let me answer your questions. That, you know, you, you see South Beach, Coconut Grove, South Miami near campus, Coral Gables. So you see a lot of things that you don't see in a lot of the college towns. For for starters, um, you see a, a top forty institution uh, with a beautiful campus, small class sizes um, for the kids that care about their education. A, a, a great academic support program, uh, the capability to get a degree that is meaningful um, after your four or five years is over. Um, you see a football program that is steeped in tradition that even though it has struggled the last 10 years, still has, I believe, the most players in the National Football League um, than any player in, in, the, in any program in, in the country. Um, so you see a lot of positive things. Matt, did I leave anything out? Um no, but uh, I will tell you when when you want to get to it. Adam Friedman just posted something interesting about Marcus Lewis that I can get to whenever you're ready. All right, well let's finish All this right. first. But I, you know, so you know, you see you see a lot of real, real um, positive things if you're a recruit coming into Miami. Um, what what what's missing right now is that it hasn't. The program winning, has not been winning. 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 The, the last 10 years, it has not been winning like it should be. So let's say I'm a, I'm a top kid. You know, I, I guess I, re, I asked you that, and I should have rephrased it uh, or should have worded it differently. Of course, we can sell that to these three-star kids who have offers from Eastern Kentucky State Community College. If I'm a top kid, if I'm a five-star or a high four-star kid that has the potential to turn around Miami, I care about winning, and I care, are you going to develop me as a player? I don't care that you had palm trees. I don't care that you had NFL grades. So does Ohio State. So does Alabama. So does USC. So does all these other top ten schools. I can go. Get, I can buy a nice house with palm trees and a pool and all that other BS you just named once I get developed as a player and become a high draft pick. If I'm a good player, there is no way in hell that I'm going to Miami right now under the staff. And I graduated there, Gary. If I had a kid who was a top five or was a five-star player, a top four-star player, I would laugh in Al Golden's face if he even asked to come to my house. There's no way in hell I would send my kid there. It's a dumpster fire. They get no player development whatsoever. And any kids, any of these guys right now who are getting, who you guys are saying, yeah, they're getting coached up. Look what, look what they did with Clyde Walford. Look what they did with Denzel Perryman. Those kids had God-given talent that would be even better than they are right now if they had real coaches like Nick Saban and Urban Mott. Would Denzel Perryman be a first-round lock if he went to Alabama? Yes. Clyde Walford would have a first-round chance. That, if he that's went to pure speculation. Let's be fair. Uh, Denzel Perriman didn't have any issue showcasing his talent at Miami. I mean, come on. I don't believe believe that at all. I think there are so many kids on our roster who are getting just totally, totally unfair player development, if that even makes sense. I'm so pissed off I'm not even making sense. It's just unfair to these kids. These guys are not Miami-caliber coaches. 
Mark D'Onofrio looks like he doesn't even know how to tie his damn shoes, Gary. Well, they don't. I mean, yeah, I mean, you don't have to get insulting. I mean, they they don't have resumes that you should have if you're at Miami. I I totally agree. I mean, you look at the resumes of of, who are the guys that are most talked about? D'Onofrio, Paul Williams, um, you know, for for starters, um, do not have Miami resumes. If you look at at their coaching background. Miami signing day. It's, it's honestly pathetic that Miami signing day has become revolved around Jordan Scarlett and Tyree St. Louis, who aren't even top 100 kids. You put these kids up in two or three years against these five-star Florida State kids, and they're going to run over us like they have the past four years. You know why? They have real coaching and real player development, and that's all i got to say. And I'll just hang up and listen. All right. Hey, thank you for being part of the show. A lot of anger out there, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anything you're going to say is going to change his mind. Yeah, but, I mean, the, the truth of, of, the, of the matter is Miami still has a lot to sell. Uh, clearly, there are problems that need to be addressed that have not been addressed, and that's holding the football program back uh, without question. I don't care how anybody you know decides to try to sugarcoat it. Um, Without question, you know, we as much as anybody get to see up close because of all the conversations we have with different, you know, recruits, former players, families, coaches. Uh, we're out there every day having constant conversations with people, and we get to see up close what the problems really are. And, and there is no question um, that that's what's holding back the program right now. All right, let's go out to the um, the two hundred five where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. <laughs> Call the night. That, 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 that's slaughter, Matt. How, how you doing, buddy? Hey, what's up, Gary? What's up, Matt? What's up? We're doing good. We're doing good. We, what you got for us tonight? Give us some wisdom. Oh, man. I'm just, man, I've just been um, just thinking about the Scarlet Kid. You know, that's his decision, you know, decision he made. But like you were saying earlier, man, it's just – it's a shame, man, how these kids are are playing this, you know, celebrity, you know, playing games like that. And I remember when I was getting recruited, it wasn't like that. You know, you had your hat tricks in there, you know, you gave your pledge and you may switch up, but you don't commit to a team for six and seven months and, you know, telling the coach, yes, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. And then you just – you know, just switch up like that, man. It's just it's sad that these kids don't have the guidance and the parents don't have, the, you know, a hold on them to let them know, hey, don't, you don't do this, you know. And and it kind of spreads a uh, – uh, uh, it kind of spreads a, a light on that school. They kind of, you know, I don't want to recruit a kid from there because they're playing games, you know, because I think if the, if the Booker T um, school, they keep, you know, eventually keep, um, you know, doing that hat trick and switching up. You know, it it cause a, a coach to not to want you know to want to recruit there. What do you think about that, Gary? Yeah, I don't think you'll ever see that happen at Booker T. Washington, but uh, I could definitely oh, see I that. Mean, I know they got some good talent, but I'm saying it kind of make you hesitant to take these kids. You know, take the kids' word. You know, and, and, you yeah. know. And well, you know, it's funny because, like out. I said earlier in the show, St. Thomas has always been a school. Um, that considered itself above that, and they've always always been very controlling of the kids there and and how they handle recruiting and and making sure that the kids handle it in a first class manner. And the the way Jordan Scarlett handled it was so totally not the St. Thomas way. And um, 
you know, he'd only really been there been there for six months. He, he you probably couldn't classify him as a true St. Thomas kid, and that probably has a lot to do with it. But um, you know, I don't think you're going to see the coaches anytime soon stop recruiting at Booker T, and I don't think you're going to see them stop recruiting at St. Thomas Aquinas. They kind of make his second guess. You know, you know, he kind of make his second guess want to go. I know they got great talent there, but you know, me, I'm like, you know, they don't really need to hang their hat on this, you know what these kids say. Um, do you um, do you ever think that they'll have an early signing day period? Because I think that'll stop a lot of this early, you know, early commitment. You know, because you know the early signing is committed. You pretty much have to, um, you know, sign then, or do you? Would you still have to wait? They need to have an early signing day in in college football. There's no doubt about it. Recruiting goes on too long. I mean, for coaches to be recruiting kids for 18 months, come on. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. Um, I um, I read a post about the um, the D-liner kid. Uh, You think think, uh, Miami will try to get that kid? Because I know we had offered him. He came down on a visit like two years ago. You think Miami will try to jump on that kid? Who are you talking about? D-liner. He um, the defense. Oh, D-liner. We have no idea. We have we have no idea. Um, quite one more, one last question. I'm let you get some more people. I know your um time is um running short. You had um said something about a, a 2017. I think it was a running back or something like that. I um I couldn't find the kid's name. I've been trying to look at his. Hey, he's a, he's a quarterback from Coco, who's pretty pretty impressive kid. The only <laughs> the only thing that's a little little problematic with him is he, you know he's probably about five eight <laughs> right now. Uh, he needs to have a growth spurt. But it, um he's a kid out of Coco. He's quarterback. 2017. If you search him, you'll see him uh, come up in the rivals database and um, watch his game film. He's an explosive kid. He's um, already, I, I was very impressed with his film. He's already he looks Ohio bigger State on State film State. than he actually is. He's, the Ohio, he's, a, he's an Ohio State commitment, though, already, right? Bruce Judge. Yes, yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. Two years early. Yeah, Ohio so State was the first to get to him, and they've got him committed right now. Okay, I, I but uh, he was so, at Miami's junior day, even though he's a sophomore. So we'll see what happens there. Okay, I, yeah, but um, all okay, right, Slaughter. I, 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 I got on to the show, um, the show late tonight. Do you think we'll get? We yeah, but give us one more Ibis call before you go. <laughs> I, want, <laughs> I got you, Gary. Ah, ah. All right, maybe that'll bring the Hurricanes good luck on signing day. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I doubt it, man. Nobody want to play for him. Hey, thanks, as always, for being part of the show. All right, Gary. All right. That was the infamous slaughter. All right. Um, Matt mentioned a few minutes ago that there's some new news on uh, Marcus Lewis um, being reported by Adam Friedman, who's our uh, mid-Atlantic recruiting analyst over there in the Washington, D.C. area, uh, knows Marcus Lewis uh, very well. It, it, it seems like Florida, you know, Florida State's been sitting there, and they think that they're going to steal – Minka Fitzpatrick from Alabama, which I think is a long shot. And um, they've also been recruiting another cornerback from California, Iman Marshall, um, who I also think is going to be pretty tough to get to come to Tallahassee. Um, And apparently they might be getting a little concerned about that as well because they they are trying to get Marcus Lewis to postpone his announcement and and visit Florida State this weekend. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I I, I mean, with no – real indications on whether Marcus Lewis is going to play into that plan or not. And uh, Texas is another school that's trying to come in late and um, maybe get Marcus Lewis to postpone and visit there as well. So it could be a lot of drama emerging uh, with Marcus Lewis um, the next few days. We'll see 
what happens uh, there. All right, let's uh, continue on with the show and go out now to the 404, where you are live on King Sport Live. Are you with us? Hey, Gary. Going once, Gary. twice, He's three times. Well, nah, oh, I even see it's too late. I hit the I, I hit the button already. All right, let's uh, try okay. the uh, four. <laughs> let's try the 407. You are now live on King Sport Live. Yo, what's up, man? We're doing good. Who's this? This is Sammy. All right, Sammy, what you got tonight? I just wanted to uh, chime in. Um, first thing first, R.P. Sean Taylor, we love you and miss you. Um, another thing I want to talk about is uh, in recruiting, don't, like, I, I admire the way LSU program is because of how they recruit Louisiana. Like, they don't really do a whole lot of the star things or a lot, whole lot of the out-of-state things besides the big names. They'll go and get big-name kids. But if you look at a roster, you see Louisiana up and down it no matter one-star, two-star, three-star. Well, time out for a minute. They own the state. I mean, think about it. What other schools in Louisiana? Imagine if if there was no Florida and no Florida State, and Miami was the only school in the state of Florida. What kind of what kind of what kind of commitment list do you think Miami would have every year? I mean, that job, that that school has a bigger advantage than probably any school in the country. I mean, Texas used to have that kind of advantage in Texas before Texas A and M and TCU and some of those schools got better in football and 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 started competing with them for the recruits in Texas. But Louisiana, I mean, they own that state. I mean, absolutely own that state. And if they want a kid in Louisiana, nine times out of ten, they're getting them. Yeah, yeah, you got your point there. But still, it's it, Miami. It, like y'all say, it's tons of prospects down there. A, a, a Miami three-star, two-star is a five-star anywhere else. North yeah, but you have to compete with everybody in the country for the kids. And, and, and you know, what you're seeing is when you don't have your house in order and you're not doing business the right way, you, you're going to lose a lot of them. Yeah, I just, I just think it, it's, it's all a chain reaction. I think, like, look at – Look at how. Well, let me, you know what? Let me make another point before you go on. If you take the southern half of the state of Florida, and you're absolutely right, and, and you compare it to Louisiana, it's very comparable. And yes, Miami does have a similar advantage if it's getting its job done. It could t- if it could get the majority of the top players in the southern half of the state of Florida, there is no reason why Miami wouldn't be a top five, top ten team every single season. Just like LSU, yeah. with its built-in advantage in Louisiana, owning the state, should be in the top ten every single season. But, listen, it's not about getting the top players necessarily. It's about getting these kids and putting them in the right situation to win. Like, I always I always thought that – I always believed that if you have the right scheme, you can recruit certain players with certain skill sets to fit the scheme – and then you can showcase them. They can be productive and confident. Like, if you – Miami, you don't have to get all the top guys out of Miami. But if you had a scheme that you can find these certain kids and within the state, within Miami, with certain skill sets that can maximize that scheme and maximize their talent, then they'll be successful. But you got a bullcrap scheme that don't nobody want to play in, and you're forcing these kids to, uh, like – 
they look nostalgic out there a lot. They look like they're thinking out there a lot. Like, don't nobody want to play in that. If you, you put, say you get like a a Greg Shiano or a Jim Levitt, a tough-nosed coach that it schemes a Bud Foster, all these guys, these tough-known coaches that they have schemes where kids love to play on them because they know they're going to be able to showcase their talent and play with confidence. Like, all that stuff go hand-in-hand. Hand. Like, we don't have a scheme that kid, that can maximize even the, the underrated kids in Miami. Like, you can't have no – yeah, of course, a two-and-one-star kid maybe can't play this complex 3-4 scheme. But if you play and let him go out there and play fast and physical, of course he'll be able to do it because we done done it before. All right, fair enough. You have anything else you want to talk about tonight? Nah, that's it. All right, man. Hey, thank you for being part of the show. Um, with, without question, that you know, people talk about um, LSU. That 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 school is one of, without question, the top two or three schools in the country that have the greatest advantage in recruiting. I would I would put USC in that category, um, Miami potentially in that category. Um, but there aren't a lot of them that have, you know, just a huge built-in advantage coming right out of the gate in recruiting. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. I mean, Miami actually used to have a lot of success in Louisiana back in the day, you know. It's a shame that um, they haven't had quite as much success recently. Well, they're trying. You know, James Coley's been spending some time in that state, and he's the right guy to try to do it. Um, you know, ho- hopefully for them they, they can get Chapman uh, to stick here down the stretch. Um, he, he's a good get, uh, without question, from the state of Louisiana, and and you know they can continue to to to, to build on it and uh, get a little bit of a Louisiana connection uh, going again because it's a great state to go try to get players because only so many guys can sign with LSU and and there's more than 25 players in that state. It's a very good state for high school football. All right, let's go out now to the 3-2-1 where you are now live on Kane Sport Live. How are you doing tonight? Hey, pretty good. Quick, i got a couple quick questions for you. What's the story? Where will Miami offer Jalen Julius if it'll shore up Dexter Williams? I'm kind of curious of that. Um, well, I mean, I, obviously they don't feel Jalen Julius is, is is what they need here. I I think the big problem is he's a smaller type type of kid, and they feel like they already have that, and they don't. They, you know, they're looking for bigger athletes right now, and he just doesn't fit what they're looking for. And I guess you know Dexter Williams, um, they they obviously a don't feel like they have to offer him to get Dexter Williams. Uh, Julius is looking at it's Ole Miss, right, Matt? For who are you talking about, Jalen Julius? Yeah, uh, Jalen Julius. He's probably going to go well, to Ole Miss, right? His coach, his coach indicated that's where he thinks he's going to wind up. Yeah. Yeah, so he's not going to – even if, if Dexter Williams goes to Notre Dame, they're not going to school together anyway, most likely. Uh, so they probably don't feel like they have to do that. And um, if Dexter Williams wants to come to Miami on his own, they'll give him a scholarship. But they're not going to uh, bring in a kid that they don't feel can play here and waste the scholarship to, to just try to get him. Okay, and also what happened with with Chapman's teammate, Henry? It's like he came for the visit and snuck out of town, and that was pretty much it. Yeah, okay, take that one, Matt. <laughs> that's that's exactly what happened. Um, yeah, it's pretty yeah, accurate. I, 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 Kevin's not talking. Um, it's very hard to get information on sort of what he's thinking, other than the fact that it doesn't seem like he's going to change his Oklahoma State commitment based on what his coach told me today. But um, I spoke to Terrell's um, 
with mom, and you know she said they had a good time on the visit, but it, it does, no zero indication that that this was anything other than a vacation for him. And that's an, another issue for Miami. They, they've they've invited a bunch of kids down for visits this year. That just it was so obvious, you know, Arden Key among them that they just wanted to basically come down and sort of enjoy the weather and get a free meal. Uh, you know, I just wish Miami wouldn't. You know, it's nice to have big names on campus, but I wish Miami would only take kids that were serious about Miami. I, I, it's just not a good perception when you have a bunch of kids come down that don't wind up even considering Miami. It, it sort of shows other kids out there that, you know, you can do that at Miami and, and that Miami's not to be taken seriously. And I, I just don't like that perception for Miami. Okay, and, and in closing, what, what's the story with Scott? I, I know he went to Mississippi this weekend. I was kind of blown away from by by his visit to, to Mississippi, but my thing is yeah, but he's going to USC. USC is is making a spot for him, and he's going to end up in that class. Oh, I thought they just offered him a gray shirt. Well, that, that was that was the case, but uh, apparently they are going to find a real spot for him, and he's going to be in that class. That's the last that I heard on that today. Oh, uh, wow! So now, what does Miami do for Plan C? <laughs> there is no Plan B. <laughs> There's that way, he was the plan B. Well, okay, he, he was the plan B. It's it's another year of striking out for defensive tackles. Well, hold on. I know, you know, I know Golden likes to look in New Jersey. Well, what happened to that kid from New Jersey that um, came down during the summer? Which one are you talking about? Um, oh, the defensive tackle from New Jersey. Rice Lake. The defense. He's not in the picture. No. Okay. <laughs> Well, at this point, anybody would be in the picture, but okay. So well, going... don't be surprised now. We've seen it. Be- we've seen it happen like that before, where where they give a scholarship to somebody that just comes out of nowhere that wasn't even being recruited. Would not would not surprise us in the least. That's for sure. Okay, and how do you feel about Norton? Do you ninety percent you feel come to Miami? You're thinking I'm not going to say ninety, that. but I, I mean I feel relatively good about it. You know about predicting him to Miami. Okay. You know, Matt, what do you think? I'd say 60-40, you know. Uh, oh. Auburn's, Auburn's where he, you know, he just visited. And I, I spoke to his coach about it today. Um, his coach said Miami was in good shape entering the visit, and the coach hasn't really caught up with him since the Auburn visit. And, you know, I've heard little bits and pieces. He had a good time at Auburn. So I think this is one of those kids who's really got a, a decision to make. You know, I, I can't speculate what's going to happen because he's a kid again. You know, it's funny when people ask us for predictions. Well, these kids don't even know. How am I, how am I supposed to be able to give you a real prediction? Well, that, that's why you're the everything I've heard, I'd say 60, Yeah, well, exactly. So everything I've heard, I'd say 60-40. But for me to say he's definitely coming to Miami or he's definitely going to Auburn, it's impossible right now. He doesn't even know. Okay. And Shelton Johnson? His mom wants him to go to Miami. Now, whether that'll put the scales away from FSU, we'll see. Oh well, do they even have room for him? Oh yeah, everybody's got room. Florida State—we just said, you know, Florida State's trying to get Marcus Lewis to um, to visit them next weekend and, and postpone his announcement. So, um, if they want to get it, if if people want a kid, they find a way to have room. Okay, and one one last thing, and going. Are we going to try and make a run at Richie Cooper last minute to try and fill that wide receiver spot if we don't get Callaway, or what do you think? Not the, not yeah, that the, we know of, right, Matt? Yeah, the Hallandale kid? No, I mean, you, it's just I have heard zero about them recruiting him. You know, even Jalen Julius, I talked to his coach, Jalen Julius hasn't been recruited by Miami for weeks, for weeks. 
So I, you know, just it, Miami doesn't just just because there's a kid who you know fans think is good and should get an offer. Miami's not recruiting a kid. I mean, yeah, they could on signing. They say, oh, you know what? We haven't recruited you at all, but let's give you an offer anyway. That that very almost never happens. I mean, even Taraz McRae was the last case I can remember of a real signing day shocker where they just sort of came out of nowhere and offered the kid from um, from a little bit up north of here, but. It's just so rare. I'd be if it does happen. It's just such a bad sign. I don't like that those sort of offers going out. Um, well, what do you do for speed? Because there's not there's not that elite speed in this class. Yeah, well, if you can't get it, you can't get it. You wait till you wait for a late signee, somebody who qualifies later. You have to just hold extra spots for the next year and get some guys to come in early and count against this class. But to me, you don't waste scholarships. You you can't afford to, especially if you're Miami and you've had so many misses already with these last few years of recruiting. Gotcha. Okay, well, thank you, fellas, and uh, it's been a good year listening, and hopefully, you know, we'll have some, we'll have something good on Wednesday. We'll see what happens. Thank you for being All part right, of the show. Can you keep me on hold? Yes, sir. All right, let's go out now to the 347. You are now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary, what's happening, man? This is Kwame. We're doing good. How you doing? Who's this? This is uh, this is Kwame. How are you? Hey, how you doing, Kwame? What you got tonight? Oh, I, you know, I, I'm sitting here, and um, I, I gotta admit, you know, I'm 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 a little bit depressed because I'm thinking about the coaching staff that we possibly could have had. I mean, can, you know, with names like I, I don't know, John Chavis, Tavares Robinson, maybe a Ed Orgeron on the D line. I think Golden needed to make a splash like that, you know. I mean, given the, you know, how he ended the season, you know, we're still playing the same game with the same cast to cast, you know, cast to character. You're, you're, you know, no need to go on and on, Kwame. You are 100 percent correct. He needed to make a splash in that manner to to give his recruiting effort life. He chose not to do it. No surprise where they are right now. You just got to hope they finish strong. Right now they're 27th in the country. If they can, you know, maybe get into the top 20 uh, under the circumstances, I think that's the best you can hope for. Can I ask you, um, is he giving a press conference following signing day to local yep, press? Yep, 4 o'clock on Wednesday. Yep, 4 o'clock on Wednesday. But we'll have the full transcript up for you probably by about 420. Can I ask you both what, what, what the tone and tenor of that press conference will be if the program is still in the mid-20s? Come I, I think Wednesday it's going to very afternoon. quickly turn away from recruiting. I, I really do. I, um, you know, I, I think that there's going to be questions about his decisions on coaching and, and some other things. I don't, I don't think there's going to be a ton of focus on the recruiting class. Really? You, uh, don't, don't you agree, Matt? What do you think? Uh, uh, you know, with, with the with the, the the local reporters here, it might very well. You know, their assignment is going to be to write a story on signing day. That's for sure. So their editors are going to be telling them, "You got to write a signing day feature." So I, I I don't know. I'm sure there will be questions about the future of the program, but I think it will be primarily about recruiting. Um, I'd say there's a sixty forty chance it's primarily about recruiting. I guess moving on then um, with this current. Class, you know, it's been very depressing seeing you know, kid after kid, you know, decommit, and then what, what's even more frustrating is seeing like top talent who is like in your state, you know, relatively in the borders 
uh, of the state of Miami, and you're not you're not getting top defensive linemen in your own state. And I, I I'm just like you know we're not recruiting at the clip that other Florida teams are recruiting at on the defensive side of the ball, and in the trenches period. Um, and so I guess my you know my my question is. Who are the outstanding characters other than Lewis, Norton, and possibly Callaway? You know, can I? Cause I'm just getting off of work. Can I get? And I didn't know that this show was going on. I sort of just haphazardly looked on Kane's Sport, and I was like, "Oh, snap! There's a show, but it's Monday." <laughs> Wait a minute. So, can, can you? For those of us like myself who didn't get, you know, to hear the entire show beforehand, can you give me a little bit of a rundown? We'll, we'll, have the, we'll have the podcast up by like about eleven thirty, so you can go back and listen. Okay. I mean, we've talked about everything. There's we have, there's there's not a lot of topics we didn't cover. I I started out the show giving a complete rundown of where everything stands in recruiting. Uh, we've talked mm-hmm. about Jordan Scarlett. We've talked about you know why they're they're struggling in in recruiting this year and and a, and a lot of different things. So uh, we'll have the full podcast up. You'll be able to listen to it at your leisure. Well, I appreciate you. Are there any surprises that we should look out for from, you know, just the normal kids that we're hanging on for? Any late-day signees? I mean, does Al Golden play waiver wise like they do in the NFL? Like, like just Absolutely. Like, just D-liners out there. Like, are we going to go after some of these guys who are in this, you know, special area? And are you hearing anything about that? Uh, we haven't heard anything on D-Liner at this point, but uh, they they have a whole player personnel department. Every program has that. And and those guys are always mining for players who might be available and things like that. And, and that's something that Miami's been very – very active is you know you can kind of call it the aftermarket and they've been very active there in Al Golden's time they, they there's always signees that come out of nowhere that weren't recruited before and uh, would not shock in the least if there were one or two of those this year. I think that may very well have to be uh, because from my understanding he was kept saying he was going to be recruiting a full class and we we're nowhere near that right now. Well, he actually he actually changed that. He said that originally, and then when not that many kids got in early to count against the previous year, he hedged it and said it will not be a full class. Oh wow! Well, I didn't I didn't hear the backtrack. My my bad. No, that's okay. No, you were right. You were right. He did say it at one point. Yeah. You know, so because um, I I'm, I'm I was doing my count today, and I was like, wait a minute, you know, unless I'm mistaken, but this target list is kind of small. Yeah, so, I think they're looking for 23 if they can get some of the guys they want on signing day. Well, I consider it a win if we can get, you know, uh, Norton, Callaway, and and prayerfully Lewis. I mean, if, if they can pull out those three, I think he can at least stick his, you know, his chest out a little bit. But as I'm telling you, man, if they whiff on all three, man, I would not – I would want to be a fly on the wall in that press conference. Are they going to post that? Is anybody going to post that? I want to see we will. We'll have it. We'll have the whole thing for you. I, yeah. check, check about four thirty Wednesday afternoon. We'll have the whole thing for I, you. I will need that, sir. Thank you, sir. You got it. Hey, thanks for being part of the show. Take care. All right, let's go out now to the the um, the six one four. You are now live on Kane Sport Live. Hey, Gary. Hey, Matt. Great show as always, and great work for what you do. Uh, Thank you, Gary. Who's this? Uh, this is DG Kane. In Ohio. Um, All right, BG, what you got? 
Gary, I, I have a semi-recruiting question, but I don't, I don't think that you can ask a recruiting question without asking about the state of the program. I think they're, they go hand in hand, but um, let me ask you guys, um, you know, USC has been brought up. Um, they got killed by 30 scholarships. Why are they better than us right now? They're doing a better job. I mean, are they? They're, I mean, they're look at their recruiting class this I mean, year. Look, I think they're number. Last time I looked, I think they were number two in the country. They're more committed, aren't they, to football than we are right now? Don't you think? No, their 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 coaching staff as a, as a whole is doing a better job. They have seventeen four stars on their commitment list. Well, because. Miami, I think, has and eight. I agree. I, agree. I, I, I look up to that. So that's more than double them. what Miami has. I mean, they're, they're, well, they're just flat doing a better job. I mean, look what's going well, on at Clemson this year. I mean, nobody well, even thinks about Clemson. Clemson has three five-star commitments. They're the number three class in the country right now. They've gone past Florida State. Florida State has five five-stars committed, five. Clemson has three. Miami has zero. I mean, these schools are doing a better job. Well, and, I mean, and you, you, you got to be honest. I, you know what they're, they're, they're flat doing a much better job. Well, and and you know what you know what I say for that is, I'm withholding my Hurricane Club and season ticket donations as a fan. I can't take it. I mean, I love Miami. I'm ride or die. I can't pick another school. There's no way. I'm not bandwagon or anything. But I can't support this crap anymore. It's crap. Donna Shalala, I'm telling you right now, half the reason she doesn't want to fire Golden is because she's retiring. The other half is she doesn't want to fire three coaches in one term. That is incompetence to the extreme. I don't know any other college, major college president has fired three coach, three football coaches in their term. I'm talking major college football, not 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 little little division two, division three. I mean, it's incompetence from the top down, Gary. That's what. As a fan, I'm so concerned about, and Matt, yeah, feel free to, to chime in. Right, but in, but in a, fairness to Shalala, um, you know, and 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 I've again, I've been an Al Golden. I've been a guy that has that has seen the potential in Al Golden. He's not doing. He's not holding up his end of the bargain. Okay, I mean, the problems that this program has are are. I mean, I'm not even gonna call it smacking him in the face. I mean, we're, we're talking like. Annihilating him, like you know, well, we're, we're talking. Why did you fire him, Gary? Why we're talking fired? just a pummeling, okay? The problems that they have are 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 just, you know, they they couldn't be pounding him harder, and he's not addressing them and fixing them, and that he's to me is not he's holding up his fired. end of the bargain. Then he's got to get well, fired. Well, but she's not going to fire him for the reasons you said. She's leaving. She doesn't want her legacy to be all the coaches she fired. Um, the, the because of the Nevin Shapiro deal, they they feel like he deserves a fifth year. That's all fine and good. But he is not holding up his end of the bargain for all that loyalty that they're showing him. And that's Gary, that's there's the gonna, there's going to be issue there's going right to be now. nobody at those games. There's going to be nobody at those games. You know that. We'll see. The schedule's you know pretty that. good, so we'll. See. And the team no, can be kind Gary. of exciting. I mean, you got Kaya, 
you know, you've got a few decent running backs. You've got a, a reasonable offensive line. You're going to have some good receivers. I mean, it, it could be an exciting team to watch. So, you know, let's, just, let's not say nobody yet, but I do think a lot of people, like you said, are withholding their Hurricane Club donations to make a statement. I think they're going to be – the people that are going to go to the games, a lot of them are going to be grabbing their tickets on the aftermarket at a discount. And, and I do think the athletic department's going to go through a tough year this year because you're right, people are upset. And they have, a right, they have a right to be upset. Final question, Gary. You know how uh, us Kane Sport fans, we love you, but we give you a hard time because of the soft, we, we, what we consider softball questions. Look, there were no softball questions. You, Nobody even knew what the questions were. They just saw the answers. The, uh, they're assuming the there weren't softball questions. I didn't have any limitations on what I could ask Coach Golden when I did that interview. I could ask him anything yeah. I wanted to. And I did, but all everybody saw was the answers. I didn't sit there and list the questions. When are we going to see an opinion piece from you calling for his firing? Oh, I, that's not my. That's not my. That's not my uh, deal. That's not my. I've never. I've never fired a coach like that. That's not. That's not what our role is. Okay, that's that's the athletic department yeah, and the administration decision. That's not. You know, I, I have very clearly pointed out what the problems are. On, on occasion after occasion after occasion. And, you know, guys like Matt, myself, we are as well positioned as anybody to know what they are because, like I said earlier, we talk to, we talk to everybody. We talk to current players, former players, coaches. Um, you know, there, there, there's, there's no limit to our access to information, okay? And, and, and we get a clear picture, and, and I've written about it on multiple occasions, but, but the, you know, the problems are not getting fixed, but fire the you know, right to fire the coach, number one, that's not what our role is, and number two, it wouldn't make a difference. They're not, gonna, they're not firing a coach because Gary Furman writes the coach should be fired. You know. Yeah, but it will be. I don't think he should be fired. By the way, I think he should be correcting the problems, and he's not. And I think because he's not, I think because he's not, ultimately he is going to be fired. Yeah, because these problems aren't going away, and things are not getting better without the problems being solved. So the decision to not solve the problems is ultimately going to end with him being fired. Most likely. This guy's pathological. He's not even self-interested to keep his maybe job. Maybe he's not pathological. Maybe this is just a business to to him. You know, think maybe him and you know maybe this is just a, you know one big business transaction, and you know this next year is 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 another two and a half million in the bank. You know, well, I mean, you know maybe we're pathetic. maybe we're pathetic as a football program. His record as a coach is not the most important thing in his life. Maybe the most important thing in his life is the financial security that he's able to provide for his wife and kids. You know, we don't know how he's programmed. Not everybody's Nick Saban. Not everybody is win at all costs. Winning is all that matters. He just might not be programmed like that. He's never won anything as a coach. He's never even won a big football game as a coach. You know, he might not be programmed like that. And some people aren't. Not everybody wants to be a CEO. You know, not everybody wants to be at the top of their profession. Some people are very happy, you know, just living their life and having a nice home and, and providing for their family. And you're making two and a half million a year. You're providing for your family pretty darn good. So, but we, we don't know. I mean, he doesn't discuss that with anybody. If we I mean, have I, but you're clearly not seeing a win at all costs, do whatever it takes 
type of mindset and urgency in how he's running the program. Well, because, I mean, like then, I said, the problems, as, then, then as fans, the problems are I could not be more apparent and could not be being pounded at, at him more often. Then why the hell he did he give this guy a ten-year oh, contract? Oh, September, October, November, December. You're hit. He's 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 getting smacked on the field. January, February, he's getting pounded on the recruiting trail. When they when they lose all these South Florida recruits, when they come close but not quite good enough on the on on top out-of-state players. You know, I mean, it's not like he's not seeing the problems that he has. He is. Maybe he's in denial about him, or or maybe his loyalty to the people working for him is stronger than a win-at-all-costs-I'm-firing-guys-left-and-right mindset. But anyway, we're talking about recruiting now, and and we're getting near the end of the show. You don't fire a guy like that? that, that, That's an individual decision, and clearly Donna Shalala is not going to that place before she retires. Uh, All right, let me let you go because we're getting near the end of the show, and I want Matt and I to go through and give you guys uh, percentages on some of these kids. So, um, care, you know, Gary. let Take me care. let you go for now. Well, uh, thank you so much for being part of the show. Take care, Gary. Take care, Matt. Thanks. All right. Well, I think I gave it to him straight, right, Matt? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, to me, can, I, you know, I don't want to go into it all over, but I mean, to me, he's stubborn. Al is just stubborn. He, he thinks he's doing it the right way, and he's not wavering, and that's to be commended or not commended, depending on your, uh, on your, yeah, depending on, on your the viewpoint. end result. And, yeah, exactly. Six and and the end result is going to be gonna... is going to be determined in the next twelve months. I mean, let's yeah. be honest. If if they're sitting there with six or seven wins a year from now, he's probably not going to have his job anymore. I mean, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, and and if he gets nine, ten, eleven, twelve plays for the ACC title, um, then you know he'll probably probably be asked back for an, another year. Anyway, um, um, before we go, Matt, for tonight, let's um let's run through. This list real quick, um, I'm going to call out a name. I'm going to give my percentage, and you give yours, and um, we'll leave everybody with that. Uh, let's start with uh, Torrance Gibson. I'm still stuck at 50% on that one. I think he's seriously considering Miami, but I'm surely not going to go out on the limb and predict a Miami commitment. What do you think? Um, I just heard everybody who – well, the people I spoke to who were on the visit or saw him on the visit said he was really quiet and wasn't really talking, like even Brendan – um, Loftus, who was who was there with him, said he didn't say two words to him. So I'm going to go lower than that. I'll say 25. percent All right. Um, I'm not sure Evan Sharif's is worth giving a percentage because we don't know what his situation is going to be. I mean, obviously, I think you would agree if he gets an offer, it's 100. Um, percent If he doesn't get an offer, um, I, I've heard some whispers that there there might be a preferred walk-on type situation potentially there, but. Um, yeah, you know, I, I know he really liked Miami when he made the visit, but uh, we'll see what happens there. I don't, I don't think we really need to go into a percentage there. Let's go, uh, Dexter Williams. Um, I'm going to say 55% Miami. Oh, uh, man, um, you know he's. Yeah, I, I would be a little bit above that. I, I think he's one of those 60-40 kids to me. But I mean, basically it's the same thing you said to me. 55. 60, 60% Miami. Yeah, 60 Miami. Yeah, yeah, I, just, agree. Yeah, I, just think, I think he's a Miami lean. I think the proximity to home is going to win out in the end, but uh, Notre Dame used that time over the last month to, to get in pretty good with him, so wouldn't surprise me if it went the other way either. Um, all right, uh, receivers, let's you know not worry too much about Lawrence Cager. He seems 100%. Let's go yeah, uh, Antonio yeah. Callaway. Um I'm going to go 55% Florida. Yeah, honestly, I don't see him. I really just don't see him picking Miami. <laughs> um, just 
you know, I, I used to, just the feeling I get, you know, I used to talk to him all the time, really friendly kid, and just the last two to three weeks, literally will not talk. And uh, if he does talk, he'll say, I'm busy, I can't talk quick. So when that's happened to me over the past decade that I've been doing this, they don't come to Miami. So I'm putting them at 25% for Miami. Well, I've been coming down and down on this kid. I, you know, the, 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 the scuttlebutt last week before he visited Florida was that Miami was looking in better and better shape after being nowhere with him. Um, now he visited Florida this weekend. An entire day has passed. There's been no announcement, um, really not a lot out of him. He, he, he did say some pretty positive things about his Florida visit. Um, I don't think any of this is a good sign for Miami, and that's why I'm uh, slightly leaning towards a Florida commitment right now on Antonio Callaway. Um, Terrell Chapman is committed. Uh, there's been scuttlebutt that he might defect. Um, I'm going to say 70% Miami. What do you think? I think it's 50-50. Uh, you know, I just don't like the fact that he's not responding at all to anything we're asking him. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Even, even you know what? I got I, I to see it to believe it if a kid's going to – going to visit Miami on the weekend before signing day after having been committed to Miami for several months and then is going to defect and go to TCU. Well, I, I, I don't know, even, man. I, I would be absolutely... He won't even talk about his visit. You know, I mean, yeah, I know, but come on. I mean, I'll believe it when I see it. Let's put it that way. All right, uh, Tyree St. Louis, um, uh, you know, seems like a kid with integrity. Um, he says he's going to be a Miami Hurricane. There are still Florida rumors. Uh, I'm going to say 90% Miami. Yeah, I would be shocked if he didn't go to Miami. I mean, he'd just be playing everybody. I don't think that's the reputation he wants. I'm going 99% Miami. All right, moving on, uh, Shelton Johnson, defensive end from Delray Beach. Um, I'm going to say the proximity to the home, um, the feelings of his mom went out for Miami in the end. I'm going to say 60% Miami on Shelton Johnson. I'm um, 100% with you on 60% because, I mean, I, honestly, I mean, I hate when a kid gets sick, obviously, but this illness he had, which was a bad illness apparently, prevented him from going to FSU. And really, if he does pick Miami, Miami fans can basically thank the illness because if he was on campus for that full weekend, who knows what might have happened. It could have gone the other way. I think he picks Miami also. Well, he has been there before, so it's not like he hasn't seen FSU. Yeah, unofficial, unofficial is different, though. It's much different. Yeah, I agree. And then, and the word, you know, the word that, that I've gotten today from people up in Tallahassee was they do feel relatively good, but they have a tendency to feel good about everybody up there. They always they really think they're do. getting everybody. They thought they were getting Jordan Scarlett. He went to Florida today. Um, so, yeah, we'll stick with that 60% Miami on Shelton Johnson. Um, Kendrick Norton, um, a guy that, that's been rumored to be liking Miami for some time, time uh unfortunately for miami auburn got the final visit this past weekend probably pulled even with the hurricanes um at the end of the day kids usually know where they want to go they usually end up getting back to that place for that reason i'm going to say 60 percent miami on kendrick norton yeah that's exactly what i would say too all right, Austrian Robinson, kid out of new york a defensive end weighing miami maryland and old miss um I'm going to say 10% Miami. Um, I think he's going to probably end up at Maryland. Too funny. I mean, I literally, I'm thinking my own number before you say yours, and I was thinking 10 for him also. I mean, he, he says Miami hey, climbs right dude, back that, into that's it. That's okay. If we're in agreement, that's right pretty back, good. Right back into it. But, yeah, he had, he had a couple of schools ahead of Maryland just a week ago. I, I'm not buying it. I don't, I don't think he winds up here either. 
All right, um, Kevin Scott, we've talked about in the show. I'm not even going to bother with a percentage there. You know, he most likely is going to uh, USC. Um, let's move on to the couple defensive backs. Um, Devontae Davis, uh, I, I mean, he's committed to Texas. Miami's not given up, uh, but he's made it pretty clear he's leaving town. I'll say 10% Miami just because of how hard they're working and the Tim Harris connection. Yeah, I'll say 1%, and that 1% is only if Texas somehow doesn't doesn't get him his uh, letter of intent on time. All right, Rashad Fenton um, from Carroll City. Miami's tried to come on late, really hasn't gotten anywhere. Um, he grew up wanting to play for Miami. That's the only reason I would even still leave him on the list. Um, I'm going to say 10% Miami there, too. I'll give an optimistic 1%. There's almost no chance he winds up here. <laughs> um Sheldrick Redwine, Miami Killian, uh, another guy that Miami came on with uh, in the last week, but at least they did get a visit out of him. He's from Miami Killian, right near Miami. Um, family grew up Miami fans. Um, I'm going to go out on the limb and say that this will be the shocker of National Signing Day since he does still remain committed to Louisville. Um, I think by Wednesday he flips to Miami. Um, I'm going to say 65% Miami on Sheldrick Redwine. I'll, I'll still go 50-50. I, I do think Miami has a decent shot, but everything I keep hearing is um, they still, you know, I just spoke to his uh, stepdad today. I mean, he's still going back and forth, back and forth. So it's it's hard to say anything other than 50-50 for me right now. All right. And last but not least, Marcus Lewis. Um the dramatic recruitment of the Washington, D.C. cornerback has been bouncing around. Everyone's been thinking he's going to go to Miami. Then all of a sudden it's Kentucky. Tonight we find out FSU's jumping in there. Might, they've been trying to get a couple corners. They Do they now, might may, I guess, think that they're not going to get? They're going to have an opening, a cornerback. They're trying to talk Marcus Lewis into not making an announcement on Wednesday, visiting Tallahassee this weekend. I mean, to me, that's a little bit of a reach. I'll be surprised if that happens. Um, but I can't go any higher on this one, Matt, than 50%, uh, just because there's just way too much noise um, in this Marcus Lewis recruitment. That's usually not a good sign for the team that was believed to be leading. Yeah, I mean, the the, the, the bad sign for me, I mean, I don't know how many people know this, but Marcus is very good friends with Lawrence Cager. And Cager told us, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, oh, yeah, you know, Marcus, he's a lock. He's coming to Miami, you know, and, of course um, – that would be great, but then I, I spoke to uh, Lawrence, you know, a, a week later, and uh, he says, "No, no, you know, I, I don't know what he's going to do now." And I, I think, <laughs> I think that's a pretty good sign right there. I don't think things have gotten any better since then. I, I don't see him picking Miami, unfortunately. I, I, I had him at forty percent, I think, in the message boards today. I'll, I'll even bring that down to thirty percent after this whole uh, thing with bringing in new colleges and wait. I mean, if he winds up waiting until after signing day, he may as well write off Miami completely because it means he's basically just trying to go somewhere else. So, right. That means he's um, not, he doesn't want to go to the one of the places that's been recruiting him. Yeah, I, I, mean, the fact, I would the fact be shocked that if that happens. Yeah. With all respects to Florida State and their efforts, um, I'd be really surprised if Marcus Lewis does not announce and yeah, sign with I mean, somebody. Yeah, but the fact that he – the fact that he's even considering it, I think, is bad for Miami because if Miami was a clear front runner, then I don't think this would be an issue. So obviously, there are some issues there, and he's looking to not go to Miami. And you know, in, in my well, head, I don't think we know that he's considering it. We just we just know that Florida State's trying to talk him into it. We don't we don't know how serious he is right now about considering it. So um, I think we got to wait for some more information there and some more facts. But like, you know, I don't know. I mean, 
We'll see. I, I, I'd be shocked if he doesn't announce somewhere on Wednesday. All right, Matt. Well, you know, I, I think we've uh, done a pretty good job of, of covering the entire spectrum and, and uh, giving everybody a pretty good snapshot of where things are. If we left any of your questions unanswered tonight, uh, please um, go to the message boards and, and, and post them, and uh, we'll get to them either tonight or first thing in the morning. Um, Thank you so much for, for being with us for this recruiting edition of Kane Sport Live. Uh, we'll schedule another show in the near future. Not, not, sure, when, not sure when that's going to be yet, um, but just keep watching the message boards for it. So for Matt Shodell, I'm Gary Furman. Good night, everybody.